Blog Talk Radio. Certain other black shows that come on. I mean, there's a we're not a monolithic group, but 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 
the fact that they're touching on so many different t- subjects that happens in foundational black America or ADOS or whatever you call yourself, uh, traditional black America's uh, life, it, it, that's what I found very interesting. It's a very interesting show. Um, I really like it. It's funny, too. At first it started off a little shaky, but as they go on, you get to see the chemistry of the group. Kim Fields is rather interesting to me in that choice, in that the choice they cho- I know why they chose Kim, because Kim is kind of more the conservative type, the wife with a little bit of hood in her. I like Kim Fields. So I like her in that role, and the more and more I watched the Upshaws, the more and more I liked her, okay? But at first I was kind of thinking Lisa Ray may have been fit better, but then I thought, but there's already a Lisa Ray. The Gabrielle uh, Dennis plays a, like the baby, his baby's mother, his uh, his baby, his son's mother, <laughs> and it's a, and she's more of kind of the hood girl. Very, and she's very good in it. I love Gabrielle Dennis's character in it. Uh, it's a good cast. Uh, Wanda Sykes is in it. I think she's co-creator of it. I actually like this one. I like this one better than the guy who is on TV with the uh, the guy from Saturday Night Live. He is, uh, you know, the, I, I don't like his show at all. But this, the Upshaws is very good, and it's a throwback. The Upshaws is a throwback to uh, Sanford and Son, the Jeffersons. I mean, the the conversation, everything. It's really, I really like it because it's, it's very, it'll be very familiar to uh, to traditional Black America, I believe. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I really loved uh, the Upshaws, okay? Especially the more I watch it, you got to give it a chance. If they get into the third and fourth episodes, they get better. I haven't finished watching all of them, but most of them I did, and it was very good. It's on Netflix. It's worth a look. And the kids, at first, you know, I was kind of iffy about the kids, but as it went on. I really grew to love the little, the young man, the little boy. There's two. He has two sons. He has an older son, which is an interesting dynamic because the older son was raised by his aunt. And the other three kids they raised together. But, I mean, the other kids they raised together, two of the kids. But then he has a separate child, right? And it is such an interesting dynamic, right? And so I, I love it. I love the 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 kind of sloppiness of it all because it's kind of real life so you guys have to check it out the upshaws I think you guys will like it okay uh, uh, let's see I got to see the black lady sketch show I already saw it the first year like it was on it was so hideous I was like what the fuck is going on around here I couldn't believe it got a second season and so I watched a, some a, a little bit of it last week and I was like why is this show still on air who the fuck do they know no offense to Robin Thee, but it is a horrible show. It is a hideous show. It is not funny at all. I barely cracked a smile. I was like, are they serious? You know what? It's almost like. And I don't want to say it because it's almost kind of making fun of Like people you grew up in urban areas, urban chicks, like urban black girls. But it seemed like most of them who playing, I mean, not all of them, but don't have a, like, maybe, I don't know how urban Robin Thede was. Like, I would like to know, like, how urban, like, because it seems like a caricature of urban black women. 
like women who grew up in the hoods and stuff, the around the way girls and stuff like that, it just seems like a caricature. Like they go to extremes, and I'm like, I was an urban black girl. I grew up in the uh, in the lower middle class part of Kansas City. I don't, I did not, I don't have that. And I we I was in a mostly black school. I, it's just way over over the top. I was like, did we did we do that? Like it, it's just it's just over the top to me. I I don't like it, and I don't know why it's on. I, I think it's a horrible show. Sorry, it's horrible. I actually think her show on BT with the news thing was way better. Not that it wasn't that great, but it was way better than that. <laughs> oh, I mean, just crazy. I did not like it. Okay, so I'm just talking about my little shows I watched this week. Uh, the gr- rule the girls rule the world is this what's the name of it? Oh my God, the new show on stars. Let me look it up here. What's the name? New show on stars. Um, gotta look it up for y'all. Y'all know I'm so. I you got the right name. Uh, I think that's it. Girls rule the world. Is that the name of it? I'm looking at. Trying to look it up here. Run the World. Okay, that's the name of it. Run the World. It's a new show on Stars. Um, you know, everybody has does a little wait to wait to excel frame, right? You know what I'm saying? Four girls with four different lifestyles. But this is based on the millennial chicks of today. How did I feel about? It? I liked it. I liked it. I think it has promise. Uh, it's very from. It's a lot of millennial like stuff. You know, here's the thing I have about millennial shows that's focused on the millennials. Sometimes they seem so detached. Like it's like a detached energy that that flows. And maybe that's the time they're living in. Like if you go back and watch shows about 90s women, very heart emotional felt. Like you can feel it in a kind of deeper way about extras and back. When you go back to extras and back, not even just Generation X, but baby boomers and everything like that, you kind of get more heartfelt emotions in those type of movies. Like you look at uh, Sisters, I think, from the 70s, uh, or Sparkle or something like that, and then you go on and you move into stuff like Set It Off or, 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 or Wait and Text Hell and stuff. You get more of a, like it's a, I don't know, I can't explain it, like a more melodic, harmonious, emotional feel to these movies. But in the millennial type of movies, it's all fast-paced. It's like real fast-paced. And you see emotions, but they're real quick. It's like a like a Geminian series. It's Gemini season, right? <laughs> it's Gemini season. So I'm sorry, it's like a Geminian. That's what it feels like. It's like a I know they call this the age of the Aquarius, but, it, it you know, it may, it may be more the age of the Gemini. Because it feels so Geminian, and their their time feels Geminian to me, right? So I'm like, it's got all these personalities like Gemini. I'm wondering, is it really age of Aquarius or is it age of Gemini? Because <laughs> it's got all these personalities. It's so fast-paced and upbeat. You're never bored. That's how their, you know, that's how their series comes up to, out to me. And sometimes it fails to weave in the heartfelt moments where you can feel them fat, feel them, kind of. 
I think Spike Lee attempted to do that with She's Gotta Have It. The only thing I would say about Spike Lee with She's Gotta Have It that went wrong is that Spike Lee is very animated. And so I think this new generation is not used to the animation, but that animated idea of it. But I actually loved She's Gotta Have It more because I could see that heartfelt kind of thing going through there. But it's hard to it, – it, he's a very experienced director. The problem was I think he probably needed somebody else in it to calm it down because it still was very 90s animated like Spike Lee. But this one, Run the World, is very interesting. I do like because Nick Sager is in there. Jesus. What is that? You say his name, Nick Sager? Oh, my. He's the guy who plays the president on uh, Has and Have Not. What else is he in that Queen's, uh, what's it, Queen's, Queen of the South? Oh, he is beautiful. God. When I saw him, I was like, oh, this might be worth watching. <laughs> He's gorgeous. Nick Sager's that. Like, if I was out in these streets single, like, you know, I, I'd be a cougar. Like, I'd. That's a younger man I would date. I would date a younger man. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Nick Sager. Woo. He is fine, fine, fine. Okay. Jeez. Anyway, that's the highlight of it. (laughs) But it's great storylines. I want to see more from these women, so I will tune in. Um, you know what? I don't think it's as good. There was another show on, too, that about millennials a long time ago on TV One, and I don't know what happened to it. It had Tank on it. Uh, it was uh, it was like Eve, Eve, Eva was on it, and it was the two other girls, and it was such great. It was written in the 90s energy but very millennial. Oh, it was so good. Was it something about virgin? It was something about second virgin. I forget the name of it. It was excellent. And it just, you know, it's, it had TV One back in there, so it ain't had no money. <laughs> but it's, it was a great show. And it's too bad, you know, that it, it you know, it, it didn't get to breathe, you know. But uh, this Run the World, I'm very interested in it. I will keep watching it, especially since you guys have Nick in it. I will definitely be watching. Okay, Nick is fine, honey. Mm-mm-mm. He's from, like, London or something, isn't he? He's, like, from London. Woo. Fire. He's beautiful. My gosh. He reminds me of an ex I had a long time ago. But we didn't get along so well. But he was gorgeous like that, too. God, he's beautiful. That Nick Sager, he will make you watch it. Hey, I'm not blind. He's, he, he made me turn it off. I was like, oh, I'm not turning off. <laughs> so it was good. It was good to see him in it, okay? Uh, let's see what else we're going to talk about. Uh, Girls Rule the World. Uh, let's talk about the Aretha Franklin movie. I just saw the trailer, the long trailer, where there's more talking. <laughs> I'm going to say something that's going to make people mad. 
this movie is going to get a lot of hype. This movie is going to go over really well because people just like Jennifer, okay? But this doesn't seem like Aretha to me either. Like Cynthia Erivo didn't seem like Aretha. Jennifer doesn't seem, it seems like Jennifer playing Aretha. Like this is, I see Jennifer Hudson all through the movie. I see Jennifer Hudson, even when she sings. Respect that the way she starts out the respect song, it doesn't even she's even changing it to sound like Aretha. It sounds like Jennifer Hudson, and this is a vehicle for Jennifer Hudson. Now, like very much like Cynthia Revo, that was for Cynthia Revo. But here is where I'm getting ready to scare some of you. Okay, I have never even seen all of the all of the trailer parts for Cynthia Revo, and you know what? Maybe I'll go back now and watch the Cynthia Revo. I was boycotting Cynthia Revo. But you know what? Maybe I'm going to go back and watch the whole thing now. Now, my granny who watched it said, no, that was not a reason. <laughs> but I did watch a lot of the trailers for the Cynthia Revo one, and I hated it. Jennifer Hudson has a great cast, it looks like, surrounding her, just like Cynthia Revo had a great cast surrounding her for the little series, miniseries they did on TV, Okay. Great cast surrounding her. Same thing with Jennifer Hudson. But I'm going to let me let y'all let me see if I can find the trailer. Hold on, let me let y'all hear the trailer. Because it would only be fair if I try to let you hear the trailer. Okay, so let's see. Get it up here. But I'm gonna say this. I'll shock you guys in a minute. I, I I feel like I need to let you hear the uh, hear the sh- pull up the trailer and the newest one and let y'all kind of hear it because there's more talking in it. Uh, this a new one. I think this is. Let's see. Trying to pull it up here. Y'all getting ready to hear right now, okay? 
Go back and look at old Aretha Franklin videos. Jennifer Hudson is acting like Jennifer Hudson in this movie, okay? And she's going to get rewarded because she has a great voice, and it's going to be her vehicle to put herself out there. I didn't want an, a, 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 I did not want anybody to play this role like Jennifer Hudson. Her Fantasia, I wanted a newcomer or somebody like a Jill Scott or somebody who was off kilter that that's not the public's not so familiar with as they are the Jennifer Hudson because of American Idol and stuff like that. I did not want and because Jennifer has won the Academy Award for that 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 Dream Dream Girls. So I, I did not, because I knew what, there's going to be a lot of hype behind this, because Maritha was for or, or Jennifer Hudson for her playing her at first. However, I think it does a disservice to Aretha Franklin. And I'm going to be honest, I think Cynthia Revo. uh-oh, what am I getting ready to say? Cynthia Revo might have been a better uh, Aretha Franklin, and that's not saying much. At least Cynthia Revo had the flatness of Aretha. Aretha is was a, is a very flat but dominating personality. Like when you hear Aretha, like well, I love it. Like when she's on, uh, there's a part because you know we, me and Aretha. One thing me and Aretha had in common is we both love Maxwell, right? So Aretha was talking about Maxwell one day. She was going, she was saying, uh, she was, uh, she she tried to act like she didn't know his name. Girl, I was like, Aretha, you know his name. Quit faking. But she, but she, but Tamron Hall was saying, who is that you was telling me you love? And she said, who, who? I don't remember. Oh, she said, oh, honey, that mess with She said, he can, he can something. She said, I'd be too much for him. Something she said. It was cute. But she was flat. She was complete. She's not, she's animated, but flat. It's such a hard care. Aretha Franklin is hard to play because she's so flat in her animate, like her, 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 she's, she's, She's animated but flat, like a flat personality. She's not, honey, um, mm. she's that, but it's very flat, honey. It's very flat. If you, let me just find something to read the topic. Because it's, it's irritating me now. Because they're going to give her, I know they're going to give a lot of love to her, and it's going to be because the storyline is great. It's going to be because there's a great cast around her. But her has Aretha Franklin. Uh, let me see. I can something. <sighs> okay, Aretha Franklin interviews. I don't have that one with Maxwell. Because it's Maxwell. Happy birthday, Maxwell. Maxwell's birthday is tomorrow. Yay, Maxwell's birthday is tomorrow. Y'all know I, I celebrate Janet and Maxwell's birthday, okay? Yes, my two favorites. Happy birthday, Maxwell. So I don't have that one with Maxwell where she's talking about Maxwell. But I do have I one to get get one where she's talking about um where she's talking. So you can kinda get a little clue of what I'm saying here. Hopefully I get this one. This one with Wendy. Okay, let's try this. Shaka. Beyond, Sissy, Houston. Whitney Houston is your goddaughter, and you are her auntie. Um, How did that relationship come about? I met Whitney as uh, a a little girl. Mm -hmm. She couldn't have been uh, any more than yay big. Before we go any further, I would like to say I think you did a very good thing for Whitney in uh, speaking in the way that you did at one point. Thanks a lot. Yes. 
doing now? You're doing very well. You're doing very well. Harry would be great playing you. And Hallie said something to the effect of, mm -hmm. I can't sing, so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do Miss Franklin Justice. I knew she couldn't sing. Yes. Um, I never expected her to. And she was uh, uh, my cho uh, first choice, but not my only choice. Yes. Do you still want Hallie to play that role? I would like the person who's going to play me to be more confident. <laughs> see, but can you see? There's an animation, but there's a there's shade in animation, but it's all. I would like the person, and this is Aretha steadily, even through the '70s, even when she's being animated black girl, she's flat. She's not like animated like I am. Like girl, she's girl. Like when she told when Wendy later on in the interview, Wendy was like, she said, she said, Mr. Mr. Rita, I feel like you get crazy about me and stupid about me. She said, you get stupid, not me. Like I'd be like, girl, you get stupid. Now she's not animated. Aretha is very flat, a very flat, even keel personality, but yet animated. Okay, so I feel that that's a very hard. You have to have real thespian chops to do that. Actually, I would have actually liked Holly Berry to attempt it because it would have been very interesting because you don't have to know how to sing to play her. Actually, a non-singer would have been better in using Aretha's music to introduce the new kids to Aretha, right? So it would have been, it, you know, you can lip-sync your way through a movie a lot of times. Uh, listen, Angela Bassett was not a singer, but she played the hell out of Tina Turner. She didn't even look like Tina Turner. But she played the fuck out of Tina. She has Tina Turner's mannerisms because she's a real thespian. Uh, Malcolm X. Denzel looks nothing like Malcolm X, but the spirit of Malcolm X really jumped into Denzel, okay? So to me, real thespians, that's why she said I like somebody more confident, which she's right, you know, because an actor can play whoever, right? A real actor. Now, that might have been out of Haley because Haley's so small and stuff like that. It may have been hard for her to do something like that. Uh, somebody like Jennifer is good weight-wise, right? Because Jennifer goes, Jennifer's real small now, but she can go up and she can go down in her size. She, we see, we know that Jennifer is like, you know, has a weight struggle issue. But I would have preferred them to take either somebody who was so off-kilter that you didn't know a new upcomer, a newcomer, because it would it takes it 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 introduces a newcomer, but it takes the um, it it doesn't take the shine away from Aretha Franklin, and so I think Jennifer Hudson is going to do that. It's going to be Jennifer's vehicle. They're going to talk about Aretha and all that stuff. But Jennifer could possibly get nominated for an award just for acting herself. But it's not Aretha Franklin. Yes, actors use their body and their voice and everything to bring across a character. But you, if, when you're playing a real-life character, sort of like Andrea Day. Andrea Day, she's good. She's good to choose. Andrea Day. Andrea Day? Is it Andrea Day or Andrea Day? Shit, I forget her name. Andrea. Y'all know who I'm talking about, the, the Rise Up girl. That's what I call her. Now I'm going to call her the Billie Holiday girl because she acted the shit out of that Billie Holiday. The great thing about Andrea uh, uh, Andrea Day is that she had Billie's, oh, she you could tell she was watching Billie's stuff. I mean, movements. She don't look like Billie, but movements. How Billie smoked, how Billie talked, how everything. 
up. She she used her body to bring across, bring the spirit of Billie Holiday to a screen. When you're playing a real life person, you have to. It's very. It's much harder than playing a character because with a character you can play around with. You know what I'm saying? Your character, you still there's a, there's a a character still has a personality and a base that you play from, but you can use a little bit of your own. You got more leeway to use a little bit of your own voice and your own moves. I'm like, come on, how you know? I'm a I'm a theater major. You guys forget that, okay? <laughs> But you can use a little bit more of your own voice and your own things to style and bring to it, right? But with a character like Aretha, you have to embody who Aretha Franklin was. And that means studying mannerisms, studying voice, all that stuff. Very hard character to play. I believe it's out of Jennifer Hudson's depth. Jennifer Hudson was easier for her to play Dream Girl, she had Jennifer Holiday has a roadmap in the play. She's very Jennifer Jennifer she's very Jennifer Holiday like who brought uh who brought how can I explain it? Jennifer Holiday brought uh to that character in Dream Girls. What's the the, the, the I forget the name of that character, but she brought the Effie character. She brought so much life to Effie. She already built a construct for Effie, and it was easy for Jennifer Hudson to fit Effie, right? It's easier for her to walk in that space and literally just, you know, because she had she's very Jennifer Holiday like, so she could mimic a little bit of what Jennifer Holiday did and put her own twist to it because she's doing it on film now, which she has to calm it down. She can't, you can't be as animated as Jennifer Holiday was on stage, right? But she did a great job at that, okay? Playing Aretha is something different. Even I, I'll say that even with Winnie Mandela. She played Winnie Mandela, and you can see the difference, okay? I mean, I think she was able to get away with Winnie Mandela a little bit because we – if you if most people didn't don't know how Winnie Mandela most Americans don't know don't know how Winnie Mandela acts. But if you've seen video footage and stuff on Winnie Mandela, you know that Jennifer was a little off kilter for that, in my personal opinion. She was good, she was decent, but I don't know. So here so I'm not I don't wanna sound like I'm being mean, because y'all think I be being mean out in these streets. I'm not being mean. What I'm saying is I would have preferred a newcomer for Miss Aretha Franklin or somebody off kilter like uh uh like a Jill Scott or or less known meaning or um an actor like Angela Bassett was. Angela Bassett, like I said, she was not a singer, but Angela Bassett was able to Work the fuck out of of, of 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 Tina because Angela's an actress, a straight up cold blooded thespian, <laughs> right? So that for her, she got her body in shape. She that's what actors do. She got her body all the way in shape for 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 her, and she 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 came with it. Will Smith was not a boxer, but he played Ali great, and he used his voice, his pitch, everything. You know what I'm saying? So. All I'm saying is that I just think that Jennifer Hudson is going to get away with this because of the cast, and she's going to get away with it because people are not going to see, going to go back and look at old Aretha Franklin and videos and watch Jennifer Hudson. 
Jennifer Hudson is still being very much Jennifer Hudson to me. Uh, Arivo. Arivo was more flat to me in that the, part, the little parts that I've seen, they, they show more talking in Arivo's trailers. I see why. Because Cynthia Arivo was more, uh, a little bit more uh, Aretha Franklin, like she just wasn't animated. Because Aretha, Cynthia Arivo kind of has a disconnect to FBA culture, so she kind of really doesn't know. She's, so I can see that with Cynthia Arivo a little bit. But Cynthia Arivo, I think, might have done a better job. I'm not sure. i got to wait until I see the movie. <laughs> but from the trailers that I've seen on both of them, I'm going to give a little bit more to Cynthia Arivo, and that's surprising for you guys, I know. But the reason why I'm giving that to her is because she's a flat, she, 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 she brought Aretha across as more flat. But she wasn't Aretha at all to me still. But she did bring her back. So that's how I said. That's not saying much. She still didn't play a good Aretha. But she was, it might be better than this because I'm getting a lot of Jennifer Hudson spunk. And I'm not here to see a story about Jennifer Hudson. I want to see a story about Aretha Franklin. I don't want to look on the screen and say, that's Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin. When I see what's love got to do with it, I don't see Angela Bassett. I see damn Tina Turner. When I see Malcolm X, I don't see Denzel. I see Malcolm X. I lose the idea. I lose. I lose who they are with their big personalities, and I see the character. And I just feel like that's not what we're going to see. We're going to see a vehicle for Jennifer Hudson, and I. I was afraid of that. You know, because I feel like a story like Aretha's. You were introducing the new new generations to Aretha Franklin, and I feel like Aretha Franklin and her music and everything should be stressed and not a vehicle for Jennifer Hudson's career. So, um, and there's another thing I saw in there. I'm going to say something real strange, too. Only thing is I don't know if she has a thespian chops to do it because you have to really be a hardcore actor to do I know she's been nominated for Academy Award. No, you still have to be a nominated. Who I did see in there for a minute that could have probably even played a better, I'm going to say something strange, Mary J. Even though I would have loved to see Mary J. Blige play somebody like, um, it was somebody I thought wanted Mary J. to play in, I forget. I, I have to bring back my mind to it. But Mary J. may have, because Mary J. has that flat, flat, personality but she's not as animated so it's it really had to go to a hardcore thespian to me a, a, a newcomer jill scott i say her because jill scott is a thespian jill scott's first thing was theater and you can tell if you see jill scott in different movies you can tell you can tell so i think jill would have brought to aretha what was necessary but at the same time, I think it would have been much better just with a no-name. Nobody you even knew. And we could focus on the no-name's rise to fame, but we could also focus on Aretha because we have somebody who's a blank slate, and we, we, we're we not looking at them, and we're seeing the story of Aretha Franklin being played out, right? So that's just my personal opinion. But, hey, we'll go to see this. I think it comes out. They say it, and it's going to come out in August, so... Or was it like, or later in the year? Okay. So they, first they said December. Now they're saying a different time. So we'll see. Okay. 
Uh, what else? Talk about, oh, the I just watched a thing on critical race theory right before this show. CNN had a special on critical race theory. I keep telling y'all, you ain't got to beg people to to do what, first of all, I think critical race theory is a little bit of a fraud, a little bit, because I think what they're, they're going to use critical race theory to, uh, to undergird other ideologies in it and hide behind race, right? So they might talk about, say, for instance, the Constitution talked about everybody being, everybody created equal, but it's not everybody being created equal. So should we throw away the document? Like sneak in certain, certain ideas maybe against democracy because democracy wasn't always practiced because America's imperfect. And they wrote a perfect document, but they didn't follow it. So it's almost this idea of let's throw it all away. I mean, it's just interesting. Like a lot of people think they're going to throw in Marxist theory, socialism, and all this stuff, but they're going to hide it under the guise of race. This is why I think it's a, 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 something like critical race theory should be taught in college. But I also understand white America in a generalized sense. I'm not talking about all white people. I'm just generalizing, seen over the years. White people understand the dynamics of race more than anyone in this country, okay? What we see, in my personal opinion, this is just my personal opinion, with white America and the continuing continuation of white supremacy, what we see is we always see white America in every, if you look back in history, there's always been a white America who's been like what I call Abraham Lincoln-ish. Remember Abraham Lincoln was like he didn't really think the slaves were equal with white people, but he didn't really like slavery. But the only reason he freed the slaves was for political reasons, right? So he really didn't see, but he really thought the institution was bad, okay? So uh, you see this type of white person, which I call the white liberal today, all throughout <laughs> uh, history. So you will see it with the Underground Railroad, okay? But then there's a maturity that happens after the Underground Railroad and after slavery is uh, abolished. Then you will see this idea of, well, let's send all the black people back to Africa. That's how you get Liberia, right? Or what can, or let's promise them 40 acres and a mule and never give it to them, okay? So you always see white people come to some sort of maturity regarding white supremacy and racism in America, but then they fall back. Think about the era of Reconstruction. Reconstruction comes up right after uh, slavery, okay, and how Reconstruction comes right back down, what I call failed Reconstruction, because they come to the maturity. It's not that they don't understand that white supremacy is wrong and racism is wrong. It's the fucking system works for them. And we don't want to change it. Reconstruction means we share power. Oh, shit. What the Democrats do? Hell no. And Democrats begin, and the Klan, along with the Klan, begin to start tearing the fuck down of Reconstruction. That's what about Reconstruction. They are Reconstruction is what I call it. Then you have the era of what I call, what's the next era, big era? Black thought, black... Uh, 
black people beginning to build their own before the civil, you know, you have kind of like uh, the black civil rights movement, white people worked in that, but they worked in it. You had a lot of that. At the same time, you had this flower child uh, thing coming up today. A lot of those people who were flower children, free love, all those type of people are running these racist corporations today. You always see eras where white people were white supremacists. The idea of white supremacy, and I don't want to say all white people, but the idea of white supremacy comes to a hill, the hill, like they know it's wrong, and we're going to try to do something about it. Eh, nah, not really. <laughs> so what does it tell me about critical race theory? Uh, critical race theory is another attempt at that, but they really know. Like I say, most white supremacists are gaslighting the fuck out of you because they're narcissistic. And the whole culture has been built around them. And I'm not talking about all white people. I'm saying the ideology of white supremacy and white people in general, the energy surrounding the group because the world has used you, you've allowed, you've become kind of white supremacy is worldwide a little bit, right? White domination, Western domination, okay? So you are the standard. So in that, you become a little narcissistic about it. You've made yourself the standard a little bit. And this is not dissing white people. This is not dissing all white people. It's just saying this is what it seems like to, to people who talk about racism. So they very much know what this, most people know what white supremacy is, okay? And most, they don't need to be taught it in school. And most know it's wrong. But it's about dominance and power. They don't give a fuck that it's wrong. And when they tell you there's no such thing as racism, that's them gaslighting the fuck out of you. So you can use all your energy going, yes, it is, yes, it is, Instead of refocusing on yourself as a people and getting and getting our minds together, and, and you even have white supremacists who will suggest critical race theory because they know it's a waste of time. <laughs> That's not really the thing they should be. They'll they'll impose. You know, a critical race theory is a way. For Joe fucking Biden to get, we're focusing now on critical race theory instead of tangible, like reparations, our black businesses. We don't went to some idealism. Oh, let's talk about race. Let's talk about the problems of racism. Oh, you know what the fuck racism is. I don't have to talk. You don't. Have to, I don't have to teach your kids not to be racist. I don't have to teach none of that shit because you know. We just need to break down the shit. Oh, well, well, we don't want to talk about that. Like, we don't really, we don't really want to get out of ideals here, idealism here about how we can empower black business or how we can uh, empower black America. No, let's talk about race and the black and the race and the history of racism in America. No, 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 because America understands its fucking history. White supremacy understands its history. It knows. It is a distraction to talk about it, to keep talking with them over. Well, we need to teach little kids. We need to teach little kids 
not when their families are white supremacists and they go home and learn white supremacy all over again. Every time I said there's always been a height in, in, in white American society where they have come to an idea that it's wrong and it went right back down. And that's not all white people. I'm just saying the dominant society of white supremacy. So why are you sitting here arguing about people teaching critical race theory? I have no, 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 I don't know why. It's only celebrities and, and white liberals and CNN. Now, because black people, you have to understand, when you understand the game is that they already know. And they just don't want to do right. So when you get that idea, when you get the idea of that, and then you get the idea that things like critical race theory is a distraction from real life as tangibles and Joe Biden doing his real fucking job, then you will understand, okay, listen here, y'all trying to distract us from what we really do need to talk about, which is black uh, black uh, work, black econ- black, the black economy, Black people getting on their feet. Cause see, we don't give a shit. We don't have to give a shit about racism if we got our if we got our money right. We don't got to give money right. Money talks. Racism, you can have the racism all day long, but if you got the power and you're building power in your community, that's why Asians. Listen, that Asian stuff, that anti-Asian bill was uh, uh, is, is to me uh, 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 something uh, kind of. This is my. This is Carlotta's one on Carlotta's theory one on one. It's white supremacy trying to interject itself into Asian, the Asian uh, uh, community because the Asian community has never given a fuck about too, too much. You can pay attention to it. They've always they've just been peeling their coins. Very rich community, neck and neck with white America. White America like, oh, shit, wait a minute. And they got countries to back them. So it, that's an attempt at, a, at creating a subculture under white supremacy, in my personal opinion, okay? This is my personal opinion. That's how white, white supremacy works in that, that kind of type of way. And I'm not talking about, when I talk about white supremacy, I'm not talking about white, all white people. I'm talking about the ideology of white supremacy. So when you're sitting there, so when we're, we, so, so to me, Asians, have ne- Asians always have been about that, building that coin. Because there's power in that coin. As a matter of fact, Democrats are signing all these bills, but I saw most Asians were voting. They had Asians for Trump. I saw that all across the board. <laughs> they actually was doing marches and stuff. Okay, so I, you know, I don't know. That, it's a tricky situation here. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a community who has built up its financial base, and it's had a country to do so, and it's had a lot of advantages in America that even black Americans, traditional black Americans, don't have. Okay, so black people, it's a waste of energy to be arguing about this kind of stuff. And mostly people you see arguing about this type of stuff is a talented tenth, black bourgeois, bourgeoisie, 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 black, the upper class black people, because, uh, you know, it benefits them it, it, you'll see, you'll see, generation after generation, this this group will keep rising while the us rest of the black folks are keep going down because they keep partnering up with things that don't that help themselves but not help their people in a whole. Okay, so you know, very interesting. I just saw that today and I thought, what a waste of time. Critical race theory is a waste of time. 
it should be a co- taught as a college course. That's it. You can disagree with me if you like. What's next? We talked about Maxwell's birthday. Happy birthday, Maxwell. We talked about that. Oh, Paul Mooney. Man, my favorite comedian. You listen, Paul Mooney is my. I've seen Paul Mooney so many times in like concert, like you not concert, really in like at comedy shows and stuff like that. Man, when I first saw Paul Mooney years ago on Apollo, I was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? This guy is saying, because, you know, I didn't pay attention to him when I was little and on the Richard Pryor skits and stuff like that. I didn't know what I was watching. But as I got older and I saw him, like, in the 80s on uh, Apollo, I was like, who is this black guy, like, just talking white folks like this? Like saying every, you know, like saying all the stuff we would say. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was like, whoa. Like he, you know, he reminded me, Paul Mooney reminded me of, uh, reminds me of my grandfather because my grandfather talked like that. My grandfather worked in a traditionally white uh, construction company when I was growing up, okay? This is the truth. <laughs> I'll tell y'all some stories. Sidebar story talk. So my grandfather was like this, my grandfather would come in, you know, go in the office and all these, you know, uh, it'd be all white people in the office. And I'd go with them sometimes. And they have candy for me and all kind of stuff. My grandfather worked construction, right? And so my grandfather would say stuff about around them and say stuff to them that I would be so shocked that he wasn't getting fired. Like, he always had no, my grandfather just has no fear, right, like in that way, in that way, right? And so, like, he would come in, like, you know, and they all, they always say, because I was so high yellow when I was a little girl, you know, I'm still high yellow, but they would say, they would tease my grandfather and say, you sure, you sure she's not a a mixed or something? He said, and he would say, my baby ain't no peck of wood. He would say that to all these white people, (laughs) including his boss and all. I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I was a little girl. And they'd be laughing and stuff like that. And, I mean, my gra- my grandfather would be like, and they loved my grandfather. Let me tell you something. There was, like, a lot of extra, just really extremely respected. Like, I remember one time my grandfather, they had laid most of the black, it was a lot of black people they laid out. And my grandfather heard some of the white guys was out there working at the, the office or something like that during the time, during the time working around the office thing. It's a funny story. I think I've told the story on here. So my grandfather goes, to, as tells me and my grandmother, he says, pull up to the office thing, pull up here, and I'm going to go in there. Y'all wait here for a minute, right? He pulls up, and we watch. I watch my grandfather get out, and he skips, He goes next to this white guy there, pulling, putting brick or putting something into this truck. I was a little girl. And all I remember, my uh, he says, the guy looks at <laughs> my grandfather and says, what are you doing here, you know, uh, what are you doing here, Levi? And he said, shit, my family got to eat just like yours. <laughs> and went on back to working. And then he came out about five minutes later and told us, go and go. I'll see y'all later. That's the kind of shit my grandfather used to do. And so Paul Moody reminded me, my, I like, like even this one story, I got one more. Here's this one story, we was at this house. He was fixing up this house for his boss, like fixing up the sidewalk, all kind of stuff. He was doing all kind of work, right, side work for his his boss. And this white lady kept looking. It was in a real fancy neighborhood. And this white lady kept looking outside every day. We 
we go there with him, you know. And she was looking at my, and, uh, so the white lady finally came out and said, hi, you know, and she said hi to us. And she said, are you moving in or something like that to to us? And my grandpa said, my grandpa said, no. I don't think it's us that's moving in, but it is this new, this Mexican family that just moved in. <laughs> I mean, he just tells his big lie, and he tells his boss the next day, and his boss says, shit, Levi, you're going to get my whole, that my house burnt down. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff, because my grandfather would be irritated, you know, like, but my, Paul Mooney reminded me of the energy of my grandfather, right? Because my grandfather just had no filter at that time. <laughs> so he has a, so he, he has that that energy, so I loved Paul Mooney when I first. I was like, "Oh my God, I got to see this guy one time," you know, and and I got to see him several times. And let me tell you, Paul Mooney, I saw when I used to see Paul Mooney in this day when when Paul Mooney used to have. I mean, you go to a Paul Mooney show, it was always white people walking out. <laughs> I mean, it was just because he was so bold about race. And his thoughts about racism, and and you know, like you know, I, I'll have to, I'll play a little bit of Paul Mooney for you guys going into the break. I think I'm gonna pull it up here if I got it up. Uh, let me see. Oh, I got Rita up still. Hold on, we'll pull up Paul Mooney so you guys can hear it a little bit. But he was so thought bold about his thoughts on race, and um, and he wasn't just, you know. Paul Mooney would have meat and substance behind it. You could tell Paul Mooney had studied things about, you know, about race and racism and things like that. So, um, but he was always uh, very bold in his comedy, very bold. <laughs> I used to see shit. I saw one night Paul Mooney was talking shit, and this it's like a whole row of white people. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. But the great well, great thing was that one of these shows, after the show, I got to meet Paul Mooney. And I was like, I was a little nervous because Paul Mooney off the stage kind of is like, he, you don't know which way, like you that, you didn't know which way you was going to catch him. Like he didn't see, I don't know, he seems a little standoffish off the stage, right? I mean, so we, we got to meet him and me and a girlfriend of mine, and he was the most friendly, funny person. He talked to us like about... 10, 15 minutes, right? And so he was like, you know, my friend goes, yeah. He's like, where are you? He said, he said what? He said something like when we we started talking to him, he said, what is it? He said, uh, he said well, you, well, you guys came for me or something like that. And my friend goes, you are her favorite comedian. I was like, yes. And he's like, I'm your favorite comedian. I was like, yeah. And he, and he started laughing and talked to me. He started talking about it, asking me how long we lived in Kansas City. He, I mean, real friendly. But the whole time. Let me tell you this what he's doing. This white guy was over collecting money or something. Like he was, they said he was getting money straight for his, I guess his, uh, his videos or something like that. He was selling all the time. Paul Mooney is like looking at him and looking at us, looking at him, looking at us, right? And he's talking to us. And then he looks over at us. And he says, he says it as loud as ever. He says, you know, he said, he said, y'all, he said. He said, he said, don't, he said, y'all, forgive me for watching y'all in here. He said, but I got to watch him because you know how these white folks are. They can steal, you know, they can steal anything. They'll steal it right, they can steal stuff right in front of your face or right in front of us. And the white man, uh, us, we were like, what? <laughs> His face looked shocked. But me and my girlfriend just fell out laughing like, no, you didn't say this. 
<laughs> and he's like, I'm serious. I'm serious. I got to keep my eye on He said, keep going. Keep counting. I got to keep my eye on him because, you know, they are still right in front of you and you act like they didn't do nothing. <laughs> oh, my. We were just, like, tripped out. But he was so funny and so nice and so kind to us. And, I, I mean, I enjoy I used to love. That was my favorite. And I used to love going to see him in the last shows because, you got oh, Paul Woody would give you all the dirt in the like the late, like if you go to one like his late night show because he talked for a long time and he started telling you like about stuff about old Hollywood like you know like one night before it even went mainstream Paul Mooney was we went to see Paul Mooney and he was uh, he was talking about uh, he was talking about Richard Pryor and the women that Richard Pryor used to mess around with. Chappelle, Chappelle show is the uh, uh, Negro Domus. So, so let's see if we got this one here. 
you can put it up. Okay. And you black people, Here's stop getting this Chris Brown bullshit twisted. And this is not a joke. Stop getting it twisted. That girl beat the shit out that boy. She damn near killed him. He's lucky to be alive. Some girls from the islands are cute, but they're violent and they're jealous. All right, now, I didn't agree with him on this one, but let me let me try to find y'all. Try to find this one. I thought this was the one. How to be fine on. Okay, I'm trying to get you guys to hear one of the one I want y'all to hear. Hold on, just a second. Asians hurry up skating back to us. Okay, I'm getting it up. Where you guys see it? Okay, I'm trying to pull it up, you guys. My my audio is not right today. talking about Tiger Woods, but if you haven't heard some more Paul Moody stuff, he talking about a lot of it. He talking about Oprah. <laughs> I mean, one night he talked about, I think, 
the five because he used to tell this joke all the time about uh about uh uh Diana Ross <laughs> about Diana Ross's ex husband going to the mountains and never coming back. And, you know, he passed them. And Tracy Ellis Ross was in the audience and he didn't know and she ran out upset. <laughs> but Paul Mooney has this like just this bright, really bold Strong comedy, okay. You could not have, you could not take offense to Paul Mooney when he, because he go, he might hit everybody, right? But Paul Mooney, rest in power. He was a beautiful, beautiful spirit. My, my favorite comedian of all time. People ask, people, my friends, family know I love Paul Mooney, okay? Is I have always been a big Paul Mooney fan. So, um, yeah, it's it's sad because you know. When I first heard, I went to see Paul Mooney, too, when he was going, like, when he was going through the dementia. You could tell the difference. You could tell the difference. But Paul Mooney was still strong, like, have conversation. You know, he was still, you know, the comedy was still strong. It was still funny. But it was, it's just like you hate to see a great mind. Like, you know, you're like, my God. Like, you know, like, God, why? Like, this beautiful, great mind. Like, you know, that is suddenly, you know, being in, you know, in um, kind of, you know, going through this, having to go through this in the end, you know. But rest in power to him. He is he is uh, probably one of the, and a lot of people when he was alive, people didn't want to be associated with Paul Mooney because Paul Mooney was about that life. <laughs> But now a lot of people will be singing praises to Paul Mooney. It's too bad he couldn't get his flowers while he was here. But uh, I am glad that I am one of those people who every time he would come to town, I would go see him, okay? So uh, shout out to the legacy and the brilliance of Paul Mooney, all right? Okay, so when I get back, we're going to go into this news. Lord, I got I got so much to talk about. We're going to talk about first. We're going to get on... Um, we're going to talk about Kamara and Russell out here, out here arguing and fighting. <laughs> and we're going to talk about uh, Vivica Fox and what she had to say about her first marriage. It's going to be pretty interesting to y'all. And then we'll get into some of the, uh, some of the political uh, stuff also, okay? Uh, we'll talk about uh, the college vaccine mandates, uh, Biden to meet with George Floyd's, uh, uh, Floyd's family and Kamala Harris. Tracking reporters out in these streets. Okay, that's interesting, <laughs> right? So we got to. She's tracking reporters. Well, they said she's tracking reporters who don't appreciate her life experience, which is interesting. Okay, so I, 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 I we're going to talk about that. It's in the Atlantic this week. They had a very interesting article about that. So you guys, we're going into break. But meanwhile, let's see. Since we're going into break, what am I going to say? I'm trying, y'all know I don't be having my stuff ready sometimes. Sometimes I'll be like, all over y'all. if you listen to this show, I, I don't ever have it. <laughs> I be trying to have it ready on time. I be like, uh, and I'm trying to find what I was going to play. Where is it at? Okay. Is it not up? Okay, you guys. Well, we'll put it up during the break. Okay, we're going to start off with, um, caught up, okay? 
by uh, by Hayward. Okay, so we'll be we'll be back in a moment. And yeah, that wasn't something I was planning. I was planning on playing. <laughs> okay, well, we'll 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 find it and we'll play it. And we'll play it as a second song. Okay, so here is caught up and uh, by T- what's her name? I forget her name, but uh, I forget Tanika. Is it Tankeray Hayward? I think Tank Tankeray Hayward. Hayward. Okay, caught up. We'll be back. I'll be back in a moment, you guys.
right, you guys, that was Maxwell with something, something. It's the birthday, boy. It's Maxwell's birthday tomorrow, the 23rd. He's a Gemini. You know, there's so many Gemini celebrities. It's like a lot of them. Like, it's a whole bunch. Like, Lauren Hill, I think, is a Gemini. Um, Naomi Campbell. So many people. It's like a whole bunch of Geminis. Like, it's, it's a lot of them. I'm not even like Biggie Smalls. I think was a Gemini. Was Tupac a Gemini? <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I am back on the CC show, and we're gonna get into the news. You know what? I forgot to give it's the word. I'm getting ready to give it's the word in just a minute. Okay, so um, I forgot it, but I think I got a phone call on the line. Three one four, you're on. It's the CC show. What's up? Hello. Well, hello, Charlotte. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm sad that Mr. Mooney, Paul died. I know his sons. You do? Okay, I mean, wow. He, he, yeah, he just passed about, away a, a day or two, a, a couple days, a couple days ago. Yeah, I didn't know he. I don't know. Maybe he had some physical problems or something, but I don't know. Yeah, he. Had but anyway. Where was he had dementia and then he had a heart attack uh, just the other day? So, well, well, let's talk about some things. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the critical race theory. Yes. You know, Chinese American protests parents they condemn critical race theory. Really interesting. And they had a big march in Virginia, protesting with banners and people in the street. And in the article which was done by uh, Asian investigators. It mentioned what the the bullet points on critical race that they were receiving. And, you know, one of them said, you are not a person, you are only your race, and by your race alone you will be judged. All unequal outcomes by race and equity, for short, are the results of racial oppression. All blacks are oppressed and all whites are oppressors. This is systemic. Never ask whether oppression occurred, only how it occurred. Everyone and everything white is complicit. You know, I don't want my children being taught that stuff. Simple as that. I can understand. Well, you know, I, I can understand what people, I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching the history of America in the terms of how it was. And that racism is an institutionalized thing. However, I do believe they, they put underneath it, white liberal supremacists love to put underneath, like they hide under race and put other ideologies into it. That's what I'm worried about, like where we start to, maybe put uh, socialism through there or maybe put Marxism through there because of slavery, well, we're, we're going to well, say what? all the bad things to capitalism, you know, things like that. That's guess my what, uh, Charlotta? Blacks do that too. And it's Carlotta. I'm, I'm, it's Carlotta. Carlotta. Okay. <laughs> okay, Carlotta, blacks do that also. And yeah. I like to I point that out all the time. And, you know, you talk about uh, slavery See that the, the the clever thing is is that they don't go back and see what happened, what occurred, the reasons why those blacks was brought here to the United States, or either should I say expelled from their country. Not only came to the United States, they came, they went east, they went south. 
uh, east to the, Ar- the Arabian countries and so on and so on. Why did uh, in the UK they emptied their prisons and a lot of those convicts were sent to Australia? Actually, it was settlers in Australia. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get rid of their bad elements in society. That's what human society's done all over the world. That's where it's studied at. Now, but nobody I think the slave trade was very different because, you know, when you're talking about the slave trade, Africans, it wasn't a sense of who, you know, getting rid of bad people. It was this problem. The problem that Africans had was tribalism. They still have that problem today. So it wasn't really a sense of, you know, uh, you're bad. I'm sending you. It was more of they had a tri- tribalist where against one tribe is against another tribe and another tribe is against, so we'll kidnap them. And I think they didn't understand the effects that it would have they on understood, Africa. They understood the effects. They understood it very, very well. They manifest. Well, not they really because the Africa rest. hasn't done well since the slave trade. I mean, Africa they has done. had a, a horrible, it, it's been, been horrible since the slave trade. Yeah, but at <laughs> that time, at that time, see, you see, you're trying to mix up present-day thought with what went on in the past. At that time, it was good for them because, no, as you mentioned, it was not good for Africa. If you go back and read the history, no, it was not. Africa's not ever. Africa has not had a sense of stability since the slave trade. So let I don't me explain to you. To let me explain <laughs> you how it was good. Let me show you okay. how it was good. When the Ashantis fought the Awey, mm-hmm. okay, my wife is Awey. Akamu, okay. when the Ashantis fought the Awey, and if the Awey won, the people that was captured, the war, the people that came to do war on them, they either did one or two, maybe three things with them. One, they made them pay restitution for the damages that they caused. Two, they killed them. Why did they kill them? Because they wouldn't come back again next week and do it again. People learn from mistakes that cause them to lose. So for the A-way, that was a good thing. You don't have to worry about this group coming back again and causing you problems. Now, did they have outsiders come in and cause them problems? Well, yeah, they all did. But you either get rid of them by selling them for restitution to pay for the damage that they've done. And when they sold them, they sold them to the markets, which there was a lot of them. They sold them to agents, which was a lot of them, because they was profiting off of it. That's just the facts, and nobody wants to admit that. That's what human beings have done. Human beings had sacrifice. Human beings killed. Human beings had cannibalism. All those things exist amongst human beings. And now when you have the ability to do the research and do the interviews with people, they tell you these things, and people are making history. You know, another thing, too, you talk about the 40 acres in the mule. Mm-hmm. If Indians, if, if we talk about how settlers took Indian land, and remember, this land was occupied by the Spanish, occupied by the Portuguese, then occupied by the French and British. They controlled the, what we call the Americas for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, if we say that settlers took Indian land, especially the creek in Alabama and on Mississippi and other areas. Then how could Tacoma Sherman give away 
the the settlers' land, or should I say, the plantation owners' land, which include blacks too. Now, well, not to talk about that. How could he give away that land when that land really belonged to the Indians? That's one of the reasons why Cub Jackson reneged on it. These Indians' land. Indians talk about that today, especially the Creek, Muscovy Creek. You follow me? Another point. I get what you're saying. Get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you look at that history of, and it's a, it's a very complicated one. I mean, especially when, and then when you talk about Africa, I see no good in what happened to Africans. The Africans. They love to talk about one tribe. That's an excuse for selling a group of people off into slavery that you didn't know. I don't think Africans understood what the slave trade was going to be. I don't think they understood, especially American form of slavery, because American form of slavery was what was what was different from Americans. What was different from Americans form of slavery to what was well, going on in Africa? They started introducing a problem to your skin. They started introducing racism to keep slaves in check. They started well, introducing, not that racism didn't exist before, but America started to put a huge spin on it to control the slaves. It was, you're let me tell you, three-fifths of a person. You're yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a human being. Let me say something real quick. Right. People talk. <laughs> Africa was, was doing slavery at thousands of it years was. before they even met any All Asians. people, but not in the form of Americans. Americans were very what was different Compa- in America's America? Compared to a civilized society, for a civilized society to start, who who says, who made a document that says we are all created equal, then to call humans three fifths, call them property. Well, no, they did not call human beings. Their race they didn't do that, Charlotte. Let me explain something to you. No. <laughs> Where is that? That's for voting. It wouldn't say that a human being was three-fifths of a human being. You still describe that, that. You still use that as a description. It was government that did that. That is, it there, is it. No, there is no, there is no painting well, well You know why the reason, you know the reason why they've done that? There because no, those people. Not, there is no well You know, you guys like, well, you, you don't, don't let me. I don't know if you ever heard, and I'm with you on something. Let me ask you a question. Not. How often have you been no in Hang, hang on for a second. How I mean, often have you, know, you been to Africa? I have never been to Africa. Read a lot right, about it. I know a lot of people that have been. All right. And I know you a lot of Africans. To someone, you talking to someone who's <laughs> married to an African? You talking to someone who spent over eight to nine years in Egypt going in and out of tombs and temples and pyramids all the way down to the southern? I've traveled down to the southern uh, areas of Ethiopia where the Oromo and the Jinka People, they still live like they lived thousands and thousands of years ago. And what we've been taught about that is just not true. Totally. And, I, and, I, and there are a variety. Listen, I, I know people who have been to Africa and still don't understand Africa. I get it. I understand that. I, I mean, I've got friends that are African. I get it. I get all of that. What I'm saying to you is, though, that is no excuse for the American slave trade and how the Americans did slavery. I, I, it, it was just there's no. How many people. Americans did that? Well, it was a southern. It was southern, but it started off as all. How American much? Family. How much? How much of the south? Uh, it was a lot of the south. I can't even remember how many. How many of the things? But what I'm saying how is much, that how that, many? That, how many? How many of the total number of whites in the country? 
And the total number of whites in the country, well, what percentage? About the total number, it was still a, it was still an enslavement of over thirty million. Well, people. then we can't. It was we not can't call, good. It, it, it's not it wasn't good. no thirty million. It wasn't no thirty million in the United listen, States. If you ever listen to the accounts of slaves, we can sit here and yeah. debate numbers all day. You cannot make the slave trade good. There was nothing good about the I slave trade. I didn't say trade. that the slave There's trade was good. good. Like you're trying to make excuses for it. There I didn't no say excuse. that the slave trade. I didn't say that the slave trade was it good for those who experienced it. Right, it wasn't. It's not. That's why but it was for it. It was a business, and it, it was, was legal. A business, but it wasn't a good business. It was an evil business, just like it was an evil. It was evil. What was evil for Hitler to do in Germany? Hitler would have called that business. That was well, evil. we do. We still do that, and we still do that in America today. When you take people out of the inner city and move them into suburbs, even black areas like Ferguson, that's bad. Because I, look what I comes agree. out of it. I agree. And it's America legal, right? I agree that America still practices things of of the slave. They still America still practices. And it has nothing. It had no. That's not whites that do that. That's blacks that's doing that. It was black Black policies. See, you know, you keep cutting me off. Have power. No, I'm just saying that black people who usually have power. Why did people? Why did blacks move out of North St. Louis into Ferguson? Well, you mean why? Because they moved into the suburbs. It's always a pushing of the suburbs. That's been happening for years. Why did they move out of North St. Louis City into Ferguson? Wait, why? Why did they? Where where would you? I'm from Missouri, but I'll let you. Because, because they was escaping the crime. And the pillage that was going on in there. No, it wasn't gentrification. It wasn't gentrification. gentrification. They moved there because they wanted to get away. Areas and then pushing them out. They do that all the time. But who pushed them out? All right. So who pushed them out? Who pushed them out? Who pushed them out? Okay. I agree with you. Wait a minute. Let me let me get the whole story out there before you come in on bits and pieces. Missouri, I get it. <laughs> they pushed them out. Blacks have moved out of Ferguson. They moved across the Missouri River into St. Yes. Charles County. St. Yes. Charles County is vastly majority white, and the police departments are damn near all white in Westville, in Mexico, and right. St. Peter's. So the narrative about blacks get don't like tough policing, the narrative that blacks have problems with policing, well, it can't be true totally. Because if that was the case, why come they didn't leave Ferguson and go back to St. Louis where you got black people and black police officers? No. I they left wait and a went That's a different west. argument. Hold on. I don't disagree with you on that. We're having yeah. a different argument now. Where when, when I was talking about slavery, I was talking about slavery. I don't disagree with you that black people don't like tough policing. I don't disagree with you that black people don't like to have nice neighborhoods and things like that, but the politics behind how a neighborhood becomes impoverished, how a neighborhood becomes bad, there's a variety of politics behind that, and that's a two-party system, not just a one-party system. And I can blame a lot of different Well, it has to be the North Point. It has to be a one-party system in St. Louis because St. Louis has been Democrat for 72 years. Yes. I know. That's older than you. But I also believe that it, 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 
it, there is such a, the political system in America is a very complicated one. While I do believe Democrats are responsible, don't get me wrong, I don't disagree with you. Now, that's a different argument from slavery. We start talking about impoverishment and stuff like that. It's, slavery is a part of it. But what I'm just saying to you is that I agree with you on that, but I also believe that that is not black people doing that to themselves. There's, there have been scenarios set up sometimes by white you, liberal supremacists because I think there's well, two you got black supremacists too. White liberals. You, you well, got black, black supremacists too. Are, there are black supremacists you, against black people. I do agree with that. No, you there got black, black supremacists against whites, too. I can name you a lot no, of that that goes on. Black people in America don't have the power to be white for black supremacists. If they black supremacists, they, well, they might be well, but they don't everything have the don't start off. Everything don't start, start off with a million people. It start off bits and pieces at a time. Any major yeah, black most, businesses, any major black businesses can be uh, implement what you call illegal, illegal racism. Because racism really is not illegal. Racism is an act that's committed by people toward people. It has nothing to do technically with the skin color. Racism, racism is an act. When you, use it to, when you use it to hire and violate fire and someone's like civil rights. You know when you yes, violate somebody's violate civil rights. rights. So we blacks can do it. Blacks, <laughs> it. blacks do it too. Let's go to another right. point real quick. Well, you talk about the. Hang on, real quick. How much does that happen? How many what? black people have the power to say no to white us to white even black even black people in when a power, black father when a black father say they are being watched extra hard they will not no, they, no. Not you, you mean to tell me happen. are you talking about the illegal racism or when you talk about social racism? Social racism I'm talking, is I'm easy. Talking about, I'm talking about when we're talking about. You're saying that black people have the power to be supremacists. I'm not. I'm saying they don't. Even if Nigeria's they got the power to be supremacists, and they do. About, now you're talking about Nigerians with a country. Black. I'm talking about black Americans. Foundation they have black the power Americans to be supremacists here in the United States. I tell you exactly how they do it. I don't. When they enter into business agreements. They enter into business agreements with other Nigerians in the United States. They don't enter into business agreements with black Americans. When Nigerian women say, Nigerian women here in the United States say, I ain't marrying no African American. I'm not even marrying an Ibu. I'm marrying a Yoruba. That's not, under normal circumstances, that's racism. When Lori Lightfoot in Chicago say that she's not going to do no one-on-one interview with non-white reporters. That's racism. Wait, you're talking, I'm talking about what Lori White, Lori Lightfoot is going to do white because they're going to check her. She's not going to, she's talking stuff. She's going to be checked. She's going to be doing white things forever. She's trying to, she's attempting to do it, but that's not going to happen. However, when we're talking about Nigerians, I'm talking about being the power, racism to me is the power to give people jobs, the power to... All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. In St. Louis, at at Union Electric, in St. Louis, at Union Electric, you had a black woman in HR. Hey, every person she hired was black, especially those that work on the line. In In Harris Stowe College in St. Louis... It's a black historical college there at the old Vashon High School business. How many black people had, have that power? 
Because if we well, have that power, well, we wait a minute. I, I can name you at least ten America. right now, but I ain't gonna do it. I'm gonna name this just one more. But were you Hell, they they passed black over. Black people hire nothing but black people. That is, if, the, that, if that is happening it, in the establishment, I'm getting ready like, to tell you. You won't let me say it. See, here's another thing. We got to stop. You got to stop denying this. This not denying. It happens. That's true. You can look up the stats to that. <laughs> I'm just saying to you that if black people had that type of power, a white, a white employee filed a five million dollar lawsuit against Harry Stowe because she was passed over for a promotion and so forth, and she won. That did okay, happen. You know another thing. You talk about Lincoln. Let's talk about Lincoln. Lincoln yes. didn't have the right to free slaves in those states that was that succeeded. But guess what? He could not free slaves that was owned by Indians because Indians were separate sovereign nations as spelled out in the Constitution. So when we talk about Juneteenth, it happened in 18th, actually it happened a year later, really. But those slaves, blacks that were slave under Indians, remained slaves because he didn't have the power. Very different from foundational Black America. Indians have Indians were already here. They have a, they had treaties, all kind of things. Black America did not have that power. We, I, I get what you. Indians yeah, even own slaves. But we what we talking about? We talking about? So I'm telling you what happened. I'm telling you what happened during slavery. I'm telling you mm-hmm. what happened during that period of time when. Everybody say that emancipation, you celebrate Juneteenth and so on and so on. Yeah, man, it's fine to celebrate it, but it didn't really end slavery. So secondly, it, he did not have right, the power did. to do it over Native Americans, over Indians, because they sovereign nations as spelled out in the U.S. Constitution. I agree. That's all right. The talented tent, that came up by Du Bois. You know yes. what that meant? It meant misconsignation. People have talked it into something else. Why did it mean misconsignation? Because Du Bois himself was misconsignated. He had a white father. He had a black mother. He was born in Barrington, Massachusetts, and it it, it applied to him. Now, let me tell you why I come. It it really does make sense. (laughs) It makes sense. You know why? Let me tell you. Because when you look at school districts, and here in St. Louis, you got one in particular. It's called Hazelwood. It has three different school districts, Hazelwood East, Central, and West. Right. Hazelwood East, which is right on the edge off of coming out of St. Louis, its population is 99% black. Okay. Right. Hazelwood East, graduation rate is 17%. Math is 17%. Proficient reading is 35% proficient. When you get away from that element and it becomes like 93% black, the test scores go up. When you go to Hayeswood West, where it's only 63% blacks, and whites are moving from that area, the test scores go up tremendously. Math, the graduation rate is 91%. Math, 45%. Reading is 52 Now, when you have a genuine mixed school district where you have blacks about 40% and whites about 60%, you see tremendous difference between when you have a 99% school district. Rockwood is going through this critical race thing, too, where teachers are trying to imply that into the school, and parents say, we don't want that for their kids, which they got a right to do. 
You have black school districts that say, we don't want that for our kids. But in Rockwood, the black population, because of volunteer segregation, is about 20%. Guess what the graduation rate is for those kids? They're up in like 95 percentile. And the math is like 60 or 70 percentile. Reading is about 60 percentile. When you live up to what Du Bois was saying, it's best to mix. You see the product of that. Now, not in all cases, but in so many cases. And you know another thing, too. We talk about what blacks weren't allowed to do. Back during uh, World War II, during the Manhattan Project, Manhattan Project was the perfection and the development of an atomic bomb. You had 21 black scientists that participated and contributed to the perfection of that weapon. Nobody never talks about them because the popular notice is that black couldn't go to school, couldn't go to college, could not obtain degrees. And also, if you read a book that's called The History of Black Business, Capitalism, Race, Entrepreneurship, Second Edition, Volume 1 to 1865. Basically, they're saying from 1600 to 1865, this book is full of goop gobs of different businesses that blacks had in the United States at that time. When people say that, you have to ask yourself, how did they do it, being that you're exposed to the narrative about white supremacy? White supremacy has nothing to do really about the skin color. It's about those who control, and that changes all the time. It changes well, Manhattan, where the Jews don't control the garment industry no more. The Asians control it. In the world, Nigeria controls 20% of the off-well oil drilling, and it's continuing to change. If people don't like right. the way things go and who's doing it, just compete against it. Oh. Well, now I do. I don't believe that Western, the Western world, is in, in as much as control has it has it has it was a society has a, as it was a as a top as a forefront. I'm not saying it's the whole forefront, but I'm just saying it has a forefront. Now you can see a spreading out of supremacist values and stuff like that. What, however, I do agree with you about a lot about the, as far as uh, control, like how. What those specific types of things about black people owning businesses more so, well, you didn't have integration. I mean, you know, there was a lot of things black people, especially even Reconstruction time, black people were doing well. Right out, right out of slavery during Reconstruction, black people started doing well until, you know, we, we the, <laughs> the Democrats had a little bit of a problem with it. So that's why I, when you talk about failure. Well, it's so nothing wrong with integration if that's what people want to do. You can't tell people who to love Integration is fine if along the problem with uh, with it in the problem with inter- integration is that it wasn't i feel like it should have been desegregation that's a different story meaning that you don't well people it. do what they want to do you know the same thing like i tell people redlining is good why is redlining good because yeah, you tell people thing. where not to live where not to travel and where not to invest your money because it's going to be a loser and if it wasn't good here's the point we always hear these stories that when back in the days you had the black doctor stayed in the neighborhood, you had the engineer and the architect. Well, why did they move? That's the well, question. Well, you know, I think it was a different time. And you, you, I mean, you have to. I mean, you have to admit there is something that happens after the civil rights movement to the economy of Black America. Uh, 
the, 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 there is there becomes a loss, and one can argue. One could argue why a, a number of reasons of why that is, but something suddenly happens where the black businesses begin to fall, the neighborhoods begin to change over, different things happen. There, there's so many arguments. Whites left the cities and left it to the blacks. I should know. I my business is I own. We erected. Tall buildings, bridges over That's rivers true. and highways, and I see what the issue is. You're not educating your kids. That's what the issue is. Well, black you, children not you, being you educated. You have full black neighborhoods and stuff before that wasn't happening. I mean, you have full black. It don't happen in Prince George County, neither, which is one of the richest black communities uh, areas on the planet, on the, in America. Even it's Prince not George happening. had a lot of problems over these last couple economy and stuff like that. So Prince George has had some issues. I mean, well, this has been going on before that. I started looking at these right. problems back in 1972. Look at Minneapolis. Minneapolis was a test case. A in temp, uh, it was deliberate trying to integrate blacks and whites. Okay, yes. it's a total failure. Shakers yes. County, Ohio, a total failure. I you got to educate those I mean, kids. I, I I I agree with you on that, but there is even something to say for the education system too, and the education, the the differences in the education system of of black people and white people mm-hmm. and certain things. So I do agree with you in some ways about some of the, especially about the W E B Du Bois thing. But I think also one of the things about W E B Du Bois, my personal opinion about him, is that. Uh, w, he might have been a little bit of an elitist. I, I mean, I believe he was in some ways. Some people would are be mad at me for saying that, but um, I, you know, I do see the difference. The talented tenth in Black America now, to me, becomes something very different. Uh, well, Booker T. Washington know. was also a mulatto. His parents were black and white. I mean, yeah. you go back and, and look Booker at it. Was, I didn't know Booker T. was Booker, Booker T. T. Was, Washington, was, Frederick Douglass was a mulatto, just like you, Obama. I know Frederick Douglass was definitely. I didn't know Booker T. was. I'm gonna have to look at that. Okay. Absolutely, he surely was. So that's so just. That's I mean, that that tells you the mulatto class. So that uh, there's always been the mulatto class a little bit succeeding. So very interesting. There is a book about that too. Called, <laughs> there's a book about about that. Several books about that. So yeah, that's interesting. I can agree with you. I think we come to agree with some things. We just uh, disagree on certain other things. But I can agree with it you. It also goes on, a lot on of- in Africa. You take places like Ghana. You take places like Nigeria. It goes on yes. there too. But it's more or less yes. on tribals than it is on skin color. But when it does come down to tone and skin. It shows up there also. Uh, you look at uh, and Jerry Lott Rollins. So to me, because Africa, it's, it's when you're when you're talking about foundational Black America is such a ways from Africa. I don't even consider us Africans anymore. I mean, I could. <laughs> well, Blacks in America are not Africans. Right. If you go right. in there, so they I, tell I, you. They tell you right off, you're not Africans. Right. But Jerry Rollins was the president of Ghana. Jerry Rollins had a Ghanaian mother. And his father was Scottish. He could not be a chief. I mean, a chief chief in the country. He could be the president, but he right. couldn't be the chief. Why is it? Because those tribes are ethnocentric. Right. The right. king of the Ashanti, Osei Tutu, goes. It, it's the Tutu lineage that can be 
a a chief over the the Ashanti. Same thing and with the Aways. Same thing with I the Aflati. I agree with that because I think there's so much. I, here's I, I I like you talking about it because a, a lot of when I have discussions, even with friends that were that have African friends, and I it's such an interesting way in how they view lineage, which I'm glad I'm starting to. I love this thing that Black America is starting to put more emphasis on their lineage because a lot of times uh, we we think that. We think of Africa. A lot of black people think of Africa. We are Africans. I'm like, no, no, Africans don't describe themselves as Africans. They describe themselves by their tribe. They black Americans are Indian. United States citizens. And I'm going to tell you something else. Those yeah. first people, those people <laughs> that came across, when people say that Africans were here before, those people that came across the Barren Strait, they were not Africans. They That's were whatever. Okay, I'm not going to argue. I get what you're saying. I've, I've well, seen, listen I've here. Let me tell you. <laughs> they are where they recently come from because right. where they recently came from, they settled that area for thousands of years. Let me tell you something. When you, you where you are, I don't know what, I think you're in Georgia. No, I'm in Texas. And I don't know where you, okay, was you born there and raised there? No, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. How long have you and how long have you been where you are now? About ten years. All right, you are where you are now. You're not no right. Kansas no more. If you get my picture, so yeah, you it. were when you first got where you were. You were a Kansas, but now right. you have adapted, changed, and so on and so on. Like people say, they speak languages. I speak this language. I speak. No, you don't. All you doing is saying some words. To learn the language, you have to come up in that society under a whole lot of situations so you know how to apply the context and put emphasis on the words for in the meaning that they should mean in that society. So when you hear people saying Habargani and Jabo and stuff, they just saying words. They don't speak the language. All right. I agree. I think that. I think that. I think that's. A, and I'm glad that you you called in to say that part because I do believe that black people in America. Because even I think that's hard for us to see now because now what we have when we well, a lot of times when Africans come over to here a lot of times for financial reasons and, and different cultures of black people come here they'll just jump in behind the African American. Oh uh, yeah, they do. So now, right, and so now I feel and like they shouldn't be doing that. Right. You Black have scholarships. Have to, Let me tell you yeah. something. You got scholarships, particularly that were put in place for Black Americans, based on their experience in the United States. When you have people coming from African country with black skin, Nigerians, Ghanaian, whoever, that was not meant for them. And I don't understand why blacks let that happen. Will you be glad? There is a movement now afoot called ADOS, the American Descendants of Slaves, and they got Foundational Black Americans, where they are pushing lineage. Like they're saying, hey, we, we're Black America has to be separated out. We're not Africans anymore. We have to be separated out from uh, for, by our lineage. We it's different if you have been here. Uh, several generations on the soil and stuff like that. So there is a push, which is a. I well, think they it's tried shocking. To, Trump tried to do it with the census. He said that the census yes. should indicate breakdown yes. further. 
and it is allowed in some categories. Uh, Africans, they can uh, they can say that I'm this, I'm that, rather than just coming under the whole uh, banner of being an African American or being black. Yeah, and I and I think that would be good for us. I think that's actually very. I think that that would help African because now there's being this because we're not able. And and here's what I what I say. I, I if there's a masking of of the failure of Black America, because what you do is you start masking it with what you'll have is the first uh, like Kamala Harris saying Kamala Harris is the first. African-American vice president. I'm like, no, she's not. There's not been a descendant of slaves in that position. So there is, So it makes it look like we are succeeding on some front, and there is I agree with you on this. Kamala Harris yeah. is, 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 is a false spirit. I mean, I, just, I can't go in the route. i tell you the reason why I can't go right there, because I wouldn't want my daughter seeing that and looking at her husband. Because they put these things. They say, you know how you, you used to do the baby doll test? Yes. With the black kids? Well, when you look right. at that combination, that's what they're saying. Look at the combination between Laurie Lightfoot and her husband or her wife. <laughs> what I did agree, that I tell agree. a child? I, I, and so I, we I, have I, to have I, the – people yeah, got to be able with, to say what they feel and think. I don't want – and I don't have nothing against the person – but I don't want to openly gay teaching my children, especially at the tender young age. It just ain't going to happen. That's my but child. You know what? Can I ask you, though? Okay, let me just say this. I knew I had some gay teachers when I, when I, was, when I was young coming up. It did, I mean, it didn't make a difference. I don't see, but do you think, I mean, what do you think the harm is going to be and having an openly gay teacher, do you just not want them to teach their lifestyle? I don't want. I don't. I, not not right. I don't want to teach the lifestyle. I don't want my okay. child viewing a male coming in in the room hugging and kissing another male. Okay. Because in some countries you can't do that. And if it worked real good, what happened to the Boy Scouts, Charlotte? Hmm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a big argument. I'm not a person that denies. I, I hear both sides of the argument. I get it, and I and I see both sides of the argument. I know. That, hey, this is a, 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 a saying. Talking about this kind of stuff can get you in completely trouble. But I agree. I I, I think that I agree with uh, both sides being able to speak their mind and speak their concerns. I don't think we should just say to people, hey, you know, because that's how people become, uh, get to know each other. If you have a problem, you have to say what the problem is with a gay person. Yeah. In class. Yeah, you know. And, and you can respect them, but that. you don't have to accept them. And when I last can, time you I typed can, a search yeah, engine? How when last time you typed a search engine? When last time you typed in a search engine? Under this woke and autocorrect, you type in your word like uh, Congress, uh, Congressman, and they come back and say, "Do you mean Congressperson?" Well, they do. They, yeah. They, they, now there is a push to have a genderless society. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and see, they're forcing this on people. Right. That that is where the problem come in. Just I mean, like with I mass. Think- 
you should not force a person to wear a mask unless it's a requirement to come in your establishment. It's like if you got to have on shoes. Hell, you know what? You can't say black males have not progressed because when any other time if you went in a store with a mask on, people wouldn't holler, call the police, and jump down, drop down the floor. <laughs> well, well, that is I think that the masks are a bad thing. I, I think that later on we're going to find a lot of problems from the mask. But, you know, I, hey. Right and the now, shot store, too. The, the shot, yeah, a lot of people. I you want know, you to check a, this movie out. Check this yeah. movie out. It's called the, okay. the Band Played On. What's that? Now, what's it's that? on YouTube. What is that? The, the Band it, Played very, On? The Band Played On. It's about vaccinations back during the AIDS introduction, back in the 80s, with the guy named Campbell out in San Francisco. You had okay. Robert Gallo, who worked in the same capacity that a Fauci worked. Just look at that and see what was going on then, and you can relate it today. I will definitely. Okay, we're going to watch. We, that's homework, everybody. That's what we need to watch. I, th- I think that would be good. I want to see that. Because it's very <laughs> interesting, this push for vaccines. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that believes people should wait. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and, you know, not just take everything. But, um, you know, there is a push now to be vaccinated. You have to be, you know, everybody should be vaccinated. So, I, I, you know, this is going to be interesting. I think well, people shouldn't be made. You know, we have liberties in this country by the Constitution. You can't make a person do although you like it. If you listen to them, they said the CDC recommends it's okay for you to take it. Can't, the CDC has no power to demand that a person in this country do anything. They just don't well, have it. What do you just like now Joe. That the vaccination card, do you think there's going to be coming down mandates? Because there are people who are already falsifying vaccination cards. So it's going to be a it's it's illegal is what i'm saying it's unconstitutional yeah. to tell a person you got to have a car it's just like a, in south africa where they had to have a paper to go from one area blacks had to go from one area to other it's the same thing to say you got to have yeah. a car before you can ride on a public accommodation that's wrong it's see there's certain there's certain <laughs> accommodations that's necessary like transportation, highways, the Internet, for mm-hmm. Google and for Facebook to tell you that what you're saying we ain't going to allow, that is totally wrong because yeah. it's a public dependency, the Internet is. And before that, it was called the Darby Net. Uh, it was an agency in the United States government called Darbo or something of that. I'll have it for you next week. It's a lot of okay. things we just don't know about. But check that but movie see, out. I the band agree with played you that on. now it's become a public square. It should a politicians have to go back in and start to look at these platforms and start to uh, say to them, put regulations on them because you cannot. Now you are like the new public square. You are not a privately owned, just a privately owned business anymore. Now people come to your space like they do. They, they need it. It's a necessity. Yeah, they just, yeah, and so what you have to, you can't, like, I don't, I didn't agree with putting Donald Trump off at all. I thought that was, I think that is you, or this the President of the United States? Well, they, How are you? they put Farrakhan off. They did. They put, a, they put a whole, they put a whole host of people off. I mean, I think Alex Jones, it's been a lot of people. So I, I just think that that is. Um, Let me show uh, you how crooked they are. 
you know a court in in France, I think it was France that uh, the Nation of Islam, Farrakhan, would try to go into the country. And the government said, you ain't coming in here because of your past, listen to this, your past anti-Semitic views. And you still preaching it. Well, the court said that uh, they sued, he he sued through the court, and the court awarded him, say the government got to pay him $250,000. Now, check this. The country, the politician said that we're not letting you in the country because of your past anti-Semitic views. Well, hell, don't they go on in other areas, too? How about Judge Kavanaugh? How about Judge Moore in Alabama? Interesting. Yeah, that's true. I can agree you with see you. See the bias? That. It's the bias yeah. that the left have, and it has spread tremendously throughout not only the country, but we see it in other words. And I can't comment on France because they are not a a a, a republic constitution like we have here. Right. But well, I know. See, I, I kind of see it has. I'm actually surprised by the left because the left used to champion free speech a lot, but suddenly. I think now the technocrats and everything like that, I think those the party has been, uh, now you have technology uh, oligarchs and stuff like that. There is a control, there is a push towards um, this limiting of, of certain people's free speech. I mean, you know, I, even the, I was looking at the uh, the Davos Converse. I don't know if you ever heard of the Davos Converse. Yeah, I know, I know it very well. That's where uh, Obama and... Bill Clinton said that Detroit should be developed by Syrian refugees, not blacks, but Syrian refugees. It's their thought pattern. I mean, I wish more people would listen to these this 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 conference. You would be afraid. I I I think most people. I've even tried to tell people who are Democrats that you need to listen. It is scary. These are all the big politicians, and they are. They have agendas that are so far out, and this is mostly the left. Have so much. I think I heard what their agenda this year. I was listening to them, and it was, uh, "You will own nothing." Was it like, "You will own nothing. You will own nothing and be happy." Oh <laughs> and yeah. And I was like, seriously. <laughs> like it's, so, there's this push to that the government takes care of everyone, and that well, you, you go on YouTube every day as a word and listen to people that, was, that support. Black Lives Matter and listen to what they're talking about. About if, I, if, if uh, you go in the for other you go in you loot a store. <laughs> you loot a store if the person's needed. The store got insurance. They they the insurance are covered. It's okay to loot stores. That kind of crazy, yeah. silly mess. What what is yeah. the world coming? But see, we've seen this before. This communist because communism. Uh, you had communist faction that went to blacks back in the 1950s. It's always happened. Yes, it has. That's it has right. always right. happened. Yes. You remember is the that, Scottsboro that... Nine? Yes, yes, yes. You that's, know who defended a... them in court? No, who did? Who defended? The Communist Party. Wow. The NAACP. NAACP wouldn't take it on. That's when that wow. girl said that they was hitchhiking a ride up north like blacks did come up north for jobs back in those days. And she said that these boys raped her. Of course, you know, one thing led to another. But uh, if you look at uh, a book by Manning Johnson called Color Communism and Common Sense, it reads this. 
They say, I was lured into the Red Movement by way of the American Negro Labor Congress, one of the many front organizations set up by communists to trap the naive, unwary, unsuspecting, and idealistic Negro. He goes on to say, after two years of practical training in organizing street demonstrations, inciting mob violence, how to fight the police, and how to politically throw a brick and hide, I was ready, in my opinion, of my leaders for a top communist school. What is the Black Lives Matter leaders telling you today? They will learn to be a Marxist. They have been taught to organize and to do what you see going on in these riots and looting. It's the same. Well, you know, most black people in America know Black Lives Matter is not the hashtag. They know that Black Lives Matter is an organization that is the front faces are black, but it's really a white liberal movement. I, and I and and most black most most black Americans know that most black Americans don't like Black Lives Matter. So, <laughs> I mean, but you know, I, I think we like the idea they don't, of Black Lives they Matter, about but we don't like the the organization. We do well, let me ask you another thing. Why are you using <laughs> George Floyd as a hero? Hey, there's a lot that, like Jimmy Lee Jackson, he was killed by the police and inspired a movement back yeah. in the 1965. Why come he's not? He was an impeccable person. He helped folks. George Floyd didn't help nobody. Pelling drugs in the community is doing detriment. George Floyd done what he done to that white woman when they brutally and forcibly entered her home. Why are you using this man as a iconic hero when there's so many others that if this message is getting to them spiritually, they are not rolling over in their grave. They're spinning like a spinning top. I mean, well, I agree that they don't put a lot of focus like the young man who, who got the, the policeman got off for uh, killing him, which is a uh, I forget his name, uh, Costello. The guy, he was in Minneapolis. He was he was with his girlfriend. He worked at a cafeteria. He was yeah, really no, great. Yeah, Philando Castillo. Yeah, Philando Castillo. They didn't. Philando Castillo had a, 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 a impeccable reputation around the community. People liked him. Everything. It wasn't a force about Philando. I get that. I also don't understand why. I don't think Floyd is becoming an icon because of his life. I think it's because of what happened to him, not because I'm able to separate out because I even if I think you're the worst person, if I don't think that you you no man no I think it was even worse for that officer put to put his foot on his neck like he did. So I, I at the at the same time because police, what I what I want police to understand more than anything is that what you do in this country is not just you you're not just uh, yeah. uh, you're a we understand it. You remember so Rosa Parks? I get, but I, I get that. Yeah, I get Rosa Parks. You remember Park. Rosa Parks? Rosa yeah. Parks had to go through a litmus test before she was allowed to be the plaintiff in the lawsuit. One, it was her background. You had many black women had suffered like Rosa Parks or experienced like her. Some with dark complexion. Some had babies out of wedlock. NAACP wouldn't use them. They use Rosa Parks because her character. Yeah. Because of her character. George Floyd's character. You got to look at George Floyd's character and compare it to uh, Jimmy Lee Jackson's character. Then those are the ones you walk forward with in order to get your point across 
and fight a system or fight an oppression that you have no against. Because they always can bring that up. They always do bring it up. They say, well, they bring your character into question. It's just like people celebrating because, for instance, in Missouri, they passed a law where they're going to expunge your your criminal record. All right? Mm-hmm. Well, what the heck good is that going to do? It's not going to help. For one thing, they know when you were born. They know when you enter school and exit high, high school. That's 12 years. You go to school when you're five. You come out of high school, that's 12, that's 17. If you go to college for four years or six years, that's 23. You're 24 years old, okay? Now, they know how old you are. Now, they're going to ask you, what have you done in the last 16 years? Where did you work at? So you write back to telling people what you've done. And if you lie on it, they're going to get rid of you because they know. They may not have a felon box on the application, but they can find out whether or not you have been in that system in the last recent time. And they got a right not to hire you. Try to go to work for the post office after one of them surveyors come in your community and knock on doors Oh, pardon me. Can you tell me by Miss Shalada? Yeah. And the people gonna do it. Think. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna let you point. go. I don't took up enough okay, of your time. Okay, thank you. Good to discuss it. Thank you so much for calling me. Don't forget to watch that. The I band played on. My, I put it in my search to look it up and watch it. I am. Uh, I'll thank, talk to you thank later. You, thank you. Thank you. I always love when he calls in because he has such a different opinion from me. I like it. and we, But he has the same. We always sometimes have the same opinion <laughs> because I'm slightly, what people don't understand about me, I'm slightly, you probably, if you listen to this show, you know I'm slightly conservative. I do have a slightly conservative thought. And I understand the complicated history of America. I had to disagree with him about slavery now. I can't, I cannot. <laughs> but I don't think, here's what I will say. I don't think that, even though I see why George Floyd has become this hero, I don't think it's for his background or for his life. You you don't have to have a, because a, 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 none of us, we, we I mean, if something happened to me tonight, they probably dig up the baddest stuff. A police officer, God forbid, did something to me tonight, man. <laughs> and my family was trying to be out here to defend me. They would probably dig up the worst stuff ever. <laughs> Right, I mean, even Volcom John, Volcom John, who was uh, killed here in uh, Texas uh, by a police officer who just walked into his house. She was off duty, and she claimed that she thought it was her apartment and shot him. They started trying to dig through his life to find. This was a church boy, okay, but he and he was an accountant. But they found one thing about him having some weed. And they kept on that, right? They kept on that thing. So I do get what he's saying about the uh, the test uh, about Rosa. That is very true about Rosa Parks. A lot of people don't know that uh, that Rosa Parks went through that test because Rosa Parks was not the first person to say no to sitting in the back of the bus. I mean, I know like people like to believe that, but there were several stories, including one woman for years, years, years before her. Who uh, who did not have she did not have the, uh, the 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 record as Rosa Parks and Rosa Parks actually was the secretary for the NAACP. Okay, so listen, a lot of people don't know like the history 
interwined into that and don't know that she went through a test to see so that they could do that because they didn't they were checking for reputation very true he's he's right on that that is facts okay when you read very true <laughs> uh, so, and, you know, years ago, like, they wouldn't take on a George Floyd But I, I don't want the idea that you have to be perfect And that that, that things, and that, that that not being perfect means bad things Like, say, for instance, yes, George Floyd's life led him to that moment I'm sorry, he had a hard, yes, I agree He, had, he did not have a, a, a good life or he did not make good choices However, I do not believe that 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 cop he didn't make good choices either. Derek Chauvin's life got him right to where, even though he was a cop, he made a lot of probably bad choices in his life, and it brought them both together in that moment. And what he did was murder. It didn't matter whether you, he murdered somebody who wasn't good or not. He it was murder. You know, you should not. That was something as a cop, you are supposed to have more. Uh, you have the authority, and that was not cool. Okay, so, yeah, there's some things. And as far as the homosexuality thing, because I want to tap back on that. This show here, on here, I am not a politically correct show. I will not be politically correct. I think that people have the right to say if they don't want their children to be taught the homosexual lifestyle, okay? I don't have a problem with it because I feel like people, in order to know people, in order to, even if you disagree with the lifestyle, in order to have a sense of, Empathy about other people In order to have a sense of care That we sh- people should know About everything going on in the world Around them, okay I had openly gay teachers I had no issue with it But some people do And I don't think it's I think it's wrong to shut down people Who do have a problem, okay So, you know I, I On here I talk about everything It's not it's, I'm not going to shut down somebody Because they have a radically different opinion from somebody else. That's not my shit. I don't do that on here, okay? So y'all know how I roll up on here, okay? So it's not going to be politically correct ever, and I don't ever want it to be that, okay? So, you know, guys, I wasn't expecting to be talking to Pianchi that long, but he'd he be so interesting to me. Me and him be going back and forth. He'd be saying some interesting shit. Shit I know, but some shit I don't. And I'd be like, what? Wait a minute, where did he get that from? So I looked that shit up. <laughs> I have to be looking shit up while he's talking to me. So, yeah, so I I have really, you know what, I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope y'all do. It's, that means I'm going to have to have a part two. Y'all know that means that I'm going to have to have a part two show, okay? Because <laughs> I'm not getting into all the discussion that I need to get into. But I think that was a good discussion for y'all. It's always good when I have somebody on here that thinks slightly different from me. And I will, I hate, sometimes I'll be coming in there at you, right? You know, I'll be interrupting people. <laughs> Because I'm like, hold up, I got to get off my chest. But, however, I love that. I love when people, when we have a different, uh, I always like when he calls, and me and him always have a great day. He uh, He's from Missouri like me, and he, has, you know, he's from St. Louis, the other side. I under, I knew all the little stuff he was talking about. I get it. Cause, but at the same time, I, I, I think it's good for us to hear that difference, especially with political and history and historic stuff and stuff like that, okay? Uh, I was going to get into It's a Word, okay? Uh, it's a Word today. It's it's actually a small It's a Word. And dang, I don't know if I'm going to even get, be able to get to y'all with the subjects. I'm going to talk about the subjects, about it I was going to talk about real fast. Damn, I'm not going to be able to get We'll try to get through it, okay? We'll try to get through it. Okay, so my It's a Word is today is, 
You know, I was remembering the old song. There's this old song for some reason this morning. It was in my head, right? This old gospel hymn or uh, gospel hymn uh, that uh, I used to hear all the time that uh, my family used to play and stuff. And it's an old one. Everybody knows uh, what the hymn. It's called One Day at a Time, right? Uh, everybody knows that that hymn. The one day I'm going to hum it for you guys, but you know, <laughs> I'm shy. <laughs> right, but uh, it is. Uh, but it says one day at a. It's the, the, the lyrics are one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, and tomorrow may never be mine. God help me today. Show me the way, one day at a time. I'm only human. I'm just a woman. Help me believe in what I could be and all that I am. Or show me the stairway that I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. Okay, the reason I read you that first half of the lyrics because it has to do with your it's the word for the day, okay? So the it's the word for the day is to remember to take your life one day at a time. That was going through my head this morning after I did my workout, and I was like, hmm, because, I, you know, I sometimes I be in a rush about life and rush to get things done and rush to... <laughs> And, you know, it's sometimes a rush to solve all the imperfect things about me or all the things, you know, and stuff. And I have to, and sometimes I have to remember that this is, life is a journey, right? It is a, it is a beautiful uh, spiritual journey that we're having in the natural realm of things, okay? And so what I want you guys to remember is that each day, as you embrace each day and as you take it one day at a time, Embrace and work on your imperfections and understand that some things you're not going to solve in a day, okay? But the things that you can solve in your daily day, do so, okay? One day at a time, all right? And then I also want you to understand that we are here in this lifetime to evolve to our eternal beings, okay? This groundwork in the natural realm won't always be easy. No, it won't. No, it won't. Our life is meant to be colorful, evolving. Our stories vary and are so different, but we are here to live, okay? And each day, each day is important. Each day how you move is important. You don't have some days are filled with nothing, right? I'm a Scorpio and I hate those days. <laughs> but so you know, I hate my I hate monotony. Like we should do it some more. I can't stand it. But I understand that that comes sometimes in life, okay? But each day, even the boring days, are all a part of the journey, okay? So I want you guys to remember that. And be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. We're not perfect. Like I was talking about George Floyd. Yes, George Floyd had a lot of bad shit. I mean, you know, you look at the record, you're like, oh, Lord, you know. But at the same time, we can all understand, we can all have a sense of empathy and understand that that could have been us. You know, uh, that, that that certain things in life, it was just God's grace sometimes that we didn't run into certain situations or certain trouble or that we had someone there that he may have not had there to block or that he may have simply not listened to. I don't know the cool this is the journey of his life. But understand that we're here, we're not all, per- we're not perfect. We do some crazy shit. Okay, but be kind to yourself. Love on yourself. That doesn't mean you don't correct yourself, but be kind to yourself and love yourself, okay? Uh, And then remember to take everything 
as it comes to you one day at a time. Okay? Understand that it's a, one day is what you got and solve all that you can in that day. But understand that some days, sometimes it may be more than a day. It may take more than a day, but all you got right now is today. And sometimes that's all you need to do is focus on the day. Okay? So that is my, it's a word. I hope it made sense for y'all. <laughs> and I hope y'all enjoyed that it's a word. Okay. So I need to take a break, and we're going to come back, and I'm going to try to get some of this news out. I understand we got only 40 minutes, child. I wasn't expecting to have that long-ass conversation, but I did, okay? So when we get back, I'm going to go into uh, Kamara and Russell Simmons, Nick Cannon out here in the street on his seventh child, allegedly. Vivica Fox on what she said about her marriage, okay? So we're going to try to get into that and a whole lot more when I get back. But this is Maxwell's birthday. Oh, my God, we got to play some Maxwell, right? Oh, it would be right. <laughs> All right, so let's play uh, Maxwell Ascension. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, okay?
for the very best in government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? We are back on the CC Show. I Listen, let me tell you something. We're going to try to get to rolling with these stories. I had, uh, I got, I was, actually, George Floyd, we was just talking about George Floyd. George Floyd's family is to meet with Biden at the White House as Congress struggles to pass police reform bill. Now, I'm going to tell you, the police reform bill, I'm a little nervous about. They are already having problems recruiting police officers across the country. This is what uh, uh, Pianchi was talking about a little bit about when you saying. Uh, black people don't like tough policing and stuff like that. I do believe policemen need more training. I do believe, and I've also said on this show, yeah, I've said a controversial thing, what I said. I would not only give police officers more training, but I give them more money because often a lot of times what happens is policemen are, uh, are uh, one of the reasons that some people believe that a lot of the bad cops exist is because they don't make a lot of money. And so uh, they tend to get into other situations and other things which make them exposed to the uh, being criminal elements themselves. But I feel that policemen should be higher paid, and they also, with that higher pay, becomes more responsibility, meaning that you have to train more, that you have to be careful how you use your weapons and stuff like that, but you get more money, more benefits and things like that. But there has to be more training that goes into it. I am scared about police reform and what they're talking about now because I think what they're going to do is run an already fragile uh, situation with police officers. Um, (laughs) They're going to run a more fragile, uh, run a very fragile uh, group already that needs training and and they need to weed out the race soldiers. But what they're going to – they're going to cause a, a, a lot of problems because the type of society that we're living in right now, what we see happening right now is this with money. I mean, what we're seeing on the global front, America at any point, see, and this is what I mean by the powers that be, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I believe that sometimes we, the, the, these powers that be will set up scenarios. Or they will, they like their opportunists. So they'll use a scenario like the George Floyd case to push police reform. But they know that the reaction to police reform is going to be more policemen getting out of the thing. So remember, there are a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that when society, say, for instance, is the dollar goes south or something like that, that there will be order out of chaos, meaning there has to be chaos in society in order to bring order to it, okay? So I actually believe that putting, uh, the, that having a failure in the police department right now is bad. For us to be not having uh, to people, for there to be shortages on police right now, which is going on right now because of police reform and stuff like that, could be a problem, a bigger problem than we think. Okay, if society, something like major happens in society uh, and we don't have enough police officers, it could be a huge problem, okay? That doesn't mean that police officers shouldn't be trained, shouldn't that race uh, race soldiers shouldn't be weeded out and things like that. But and but I do believe that a, a lot of this stuff comes in uh, um, 
that there can be it can be done better ways. But they're saying President Joe Biden will host Floyd's family at the White House on Tuesday. This is according to MSN Money. Administ- uh, Tuesday, an administration official confirmed to CNBC the visit marks the one-year anniversary of Floyd's death, which triggered international protests against racism and police brutality. Congress is set to miss the president's deadline to pass police reform bill by the anniversary of Floyd's death. President Joe Biden will host George Floyd's family at the White House on Tuesday, an administration official confirmed to CNBC. Okay, and it says Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, died after former former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin held his knee on Floyd's neck for about nine minutes. Chauvin was found guilty of murder and manslaughter in April. Now, most people who saw that was like that was hideous. Okay, even on Fox they was going to have a hideous. But however, uh. This set off worldwide protests. Hey, listen, I am I am totally for there, it being some reform of the police department, not reforms though that make them flow out of there like crazy. You cannot do that. Society cannot be without police. There's a black, white, pink, purple, blue, yellow, orange, green. You need police. <laughs> okay, because I ain't heard none of y'all come up with a better idea. For the police department, yeah, okay. I've been hearing a lot of people yelling police reform, but some of the ideas have been extreme. Listen, you're going to have to, and if you're going to put that on on police officers, understand that those departments you're going to have to pay more. Which you know, I think that 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 department is one that should be one of the highest paid departments. I, I really do, and that's not because I like police. Because people want to say, "Oh, you coon and you like police." No. Because police have a very powerful job in society. They are the first face to justice. They should be paid well. So there won't be no excuse for foolishness. So if you if you out here shooting black people because they black, you know that you paid really well and that you trained really well. So there's no excuse. So you know that when you do that type of thing, you will be held accountable. What we need to do is give them incentives to take their job more seriously and, and also more more reform, I do agree. But you can't give reform without more tax and more benefits and things like that. This is my personal opinion, okay? Um, see what else here. Okay, we're talking about George Floyd, uh, Biden to meet with the family. Uh, for colleges, vaccine mandates often depend on which party is in power, Okay. This is uh, according to uh, New York Times. It says for more than 400 colleges and universities, it's being billed as a ticket to a normal year on campus. Require all students to be vaccinated for the coronavirus before they can be, uh, they can matriculate next fall, okay? From just one university in March to a dozen on the first week of April, the trickle has become a tide over the past month, depending on just where the students are attending school. In a divided nation, college vaccine mandates are mostly following familiar fault lines. As of this week, only 34, roughly 8% in the states that voted for Donald J. Trump, according to a tracker, created the Chronicle of Higher Education. Nine of those were added on Friday when Indiana University and its satellite campuses became rare public universities in a Republican-controlled state and mandate back, to make mandate vaccines. Though the 400 campuses are only about 10% of the nation's roughly 4,000 colleges and universities, experts say the political gap is likely to be to persist, okay? Uh, 
With many colleges facing enrollment to financial pressure, the decision whether to require vaccinations can have huge consequences, particularly in the Republican-controlled states. College presidents are weighing a delicate equation, part safety, part politics, part peer pressure, part economic self-interest. On weekly conference calls with the president of one of the colleges, one of the colleges, the subject has become a frequent topic of discussion, said Kate Conboy, the president of St. Mary's College, a private all-women's college near South Bend, Indiana. College presidents worried that students might respond to a mandate by enrolling someplace without one, described a feeling of safety in numbers. People are waiting for a tipping point, Dr. Conboy said. They're not saying we're going to be out on the leading edge of this, but we are watching and waiting and hoping it will make sense for us. Okay, listen, the Spanish flu, and this is what I can't understand, was a much more, it was in the 1920s, a much more dangerous virus, Dr. Fauci, but tried to make an excuse for this, than than corona was. Yet people went back, it took a while for them to go back to their normal life, but they went back without a, without a vaccine that was 100%. The vaccines they created for Spanish flu did not work that well. They did not, they didn't, they, they just, a lot of, there's a couple things, theories about Spanish flu. Some people think herd immunity is the chief. It's a lot of things, okay? However, the people went back, not everybody got a Spanish flu vaccine. And this is in the 1920s. So I'm very, and maybe I need to look it up again. Maybe they did get some vaccine or something I didn't know nothing about. But I have not seen that in any of the books, anything I've read. So maybe I need to look again. I don't know. But what is this force of the vaccine down people's throats? I mean, I heard Charlemagne say something pretty powerful the other day on um, on uh, Dr. Oz, and he was saying that p- some people were calling him saying, we got to push the vaccine to the black community. He said, why are y'all so deep about pushing a vaccine to black people when y'all have never pushed for racial justice and other stuff like that this hard? I agree. When that stuff, this kind of thing happens, my eyebrow is up. I am suspicious. I don't know why you are pushing that hard. Okay? It, 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 it's and especially when I see celebrities, okay? You know, I'm sorry. This is the celebrities I started going on. Oh, start, I start to not trust the whole thing, okay? Um, so it's very interesting how we'll see how the college thing situation goes about, um, you know, how people will see uh, uh, mandates of vaccination. I suspect that it's, that there, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not discriminatory lawsuits going on about vaccination, about people being vaccinated and not. Because what you're doing is you're creating a vaccine versus the non-vaccinated. It's really an odd energy that we're seeing right now in society. Kind of crazy, okay? Uh, I was telling you I was going to talk about Kamala Harris tracking reporters who don't like her, who who have who who don't appreciate her life experience, which is very interesting to me. So we're going to read that. Maybe we, if I don't get to that one in this one, I'll get to it in part two. I do want to get into Kamar Lee Simmons, okay, and Russell Simmons, okay. Uh, they, you know, Kamar used to be, Kamar and Russell, since they've been divorced, uh, have normally been the united front, okay. Even when Russell was hiding over there in Bali. Is he still over in Bali? <laughs> Real Russell was hiding from the, the Me Too movement. <laughs> Uh, well, 
Kamara, you know, is uh, saying shocked by ex Russell Simmons lawsuit, labels it extortion and serial abuse. Okay, this is according to uh, People Magazine saying Kamara Lee Simmons is responding to her ex husband Russell Simmons' recent lawsuit because Russell recently filed a lawsuit against her and her current husband Tim Lesnier. Girl, that that white man be causing you a lot of issues. <laughs> She bagged the billionaire. He said, it's turning out that he's like a, I don't know, is he a failionaire? Because he's been getting, he, he's got a doc, been he getting in some trouble and all kind of shit's been going on. But it says, after Simmons 53 alleged in the complaint that Kamora 46 and Lasner 49 fraudulently transferred 4 million shares of energy drink company Celsius to pay for Lesnar's legal fees related to a money laundering case. Ooh. Kamora is responding to Simmons' claims. Kamora and her children are shocked by, now listen to this, Kamora and her children, she's going to put her children in it, are shocked by the extortive harassment coming from her ex-husband, Russell Simmons, who has decided to sue her for shares and dividends of Celsius stock in which Kamora and Tim Lesnar invested millions of dollars. Kamora's legal team tells people in a statement, this is an ill-advised attempt by Russell to use legal systems to access funds he is no way entitled to. Mm, okay in which his own legal team confirms Russell did not pay. Continued aggressive behavior not only blatantly distorts the facts, but it's simply a desperate PR ploy, ignoring the years of mental and emotional anguish, gaslighting, and ongoing harassment he has afflicted on Kimura. <laughs> you weren't saying that shit years ago. Like, wow. Like, this is all happening to you, Kimura? Like, while you was running fat form and shit? Like, he literally... Like, literally gave you fat form to run and shit. Like, I'm kind of confused on it. You know, I want to see more about it. Maybe, and not that I believe Russell's all that great, but I am interested about you. Because this man you married, he been having a damn I mean, shit. Since you married him, you've been, you've been having nothing but shit going on. The statement continued without giving details concerning those claims. The rep for Simmons did not respond to people's requests, okay? The legal counsel continued by stating Simmons will be held accountable for his serial abuse. Okay, are you going to do a Me Too thing too? He did start messing with Kamora real young, allegedly. Allegedly, like, Kamora was like 16 or 17. Was she like 17 or something? Allegedly in these streets? <laughs> She's going to yell, Me Too? Uh, I don't know. We we will confront his basis claim he, that he is warranted Celsius stock dividends despite his self-admitted zero contra- contribution. The extortion attempt is especially er- egregious, given that Russell remains contractually in debt to Kamara for millions of dollars in unpaid business loans. The statement ended. Our team is actively working to put a firm end to his harassment, which continues despite Russell having fled the country. He will face his own reckoning in the U.S. court. Damn, Russell. Simmons' whereabouts are currently unclear. In 2019, he spent some time in Bali, Indonesia. However, his rep told the blast at the time he was he was that he was the accusation that he, uh, that he was hiding out in Bali, a country that does not have extradition treaty with the United States. Is false. Okay, you sure, Russell? Because everybody was saying that. In Simmons' lawsuit, he accuses Kamora and Lesnar of fraudulently transferring his stocks in order to pay Lesnar's 
$44 million fine to avoid jail time after pleading guilty to criminal conspiracy, which, see, what I'm talking about tomorrow, what is going on with you, girl, with these men? Commit money laundering. Simmons requested that Kamora and Lesnar reaffirm his 50% of Celsius shares, pay money and punitive damages along with legal fees. Wow. Says in 2018, Simmons was accused of sexual misconduct by nearly a dozen women. At the time, Kamora said the allegations were nothing like the person I've known. Hmm. The two shared daughters, Mean 21 and Aoki, Aoki, is how you say that, and has been amicable business partners since their divorce. Okay, listen, this is listen. I'm gonna just say this. Okay, and I don't want to sound like because I always sound like I'm coming down on the man's side. I know a lot of women say that sometimes to me on the show and stuff like that. I'm for women. I love, I love women, but at the same time, I see we do some real shit. Okay. Kamara, your come up was Russell. I mean, I get it. Russell was the come up. Russell was the fucking come up, okay? Russell, well, I don't know what kind of man Russell is, but Russell was the fucking come up. I mean, Russell, the fat form, he he let you, he gave you a business position in his company. I mean, you was literally running that shit, okay? So I... And I've never heard Russell Harley say, like, even though Russell has been known as a, you know, kind of a philander out, a philanderer out in these trees <laughs> and everything, the one thing it seems like he's been very protective of is you and those girls. It does seem like it. It seems like. Maybe I'm wrong on that, though. Because now you're saying it's abuse and all that shit. I mean, even when you was marrying Desmond, when she married Desmond, and she was married, now she married to this guy, he seems always at peace with it, okay? Maybe Russell's hell on wheels behind the scenes, though, okay? He could be. I'm not saying he ain't. I'm just saying it's But you continuing to have, like, a lot of craziness going on. So I'm just wondering, like, is Russell right on this one? Because you did marry somebody who 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 they said they might be guilty of, like who said who could who could who who pled guilty to is that a fraud case? I mean, is Russell telling? I mean, is it more thing on Russell's side right now? I don't know. We'll wait and see. But very interesting in these streets, Kamara and Russell going at each other's throats. Remember the nice little uh, old that Felicia, what's it, Alicia Keys gave to them and her son? We can, what's it? We can act out like real Will and Jada, or like Kamara and Russell making paper. <laughs> they fighting over paper now. <laughs> A mess in these streets, in these valley streets, maybe. <laughs> Russell, are you still in Valley? Russell said that ain't true. Well, where you at then, Russell? Yeah, I know this ain't saying where you at. They not saying where Russell's at in these streets, okay? <laughs> Nick Cannon. Should we talk about, I don't know if I got time. I got to talk. Because see, Vivica Fox, maybe I should do Nick Cannon in Overdrive. Okay, for those of you who are listening to the show via apps, computers, however you're listening, we are going into overdrive, okay? 
If you want to hear the show as it goes into overdrive, if you want to hear it live, you have to get on the phone lines. The number is 718-766-4236, okay? You have to get on before the show goes off, okay? You can stay on the phone lines and listen to my next hour. Otherwise, you'll have to hear it after um, – you have to hear it when the show uploads. Now, for those of you who are going to be on the phone lines, if the show happens to cut off some sort of way, like if I happen to cut off or something, that means I'm going to have a part two. I'll probably do it tomorrow sometime or sometime this week, but most likely tomorrow, okay? So I'm going to – or I may do it tonight at midnight, all right? So I may have a part two if, if we get cut off at any moment or any time, okay? Because sometimes I have problems with the connection going into overdrive and it goes off accidentally. So if that happens, know that a part two will be coming up, okay? All right, so I got these few minutes. Let's do – I see some of you on the phone lines. What, what am I going to do? Am I going to do Kamara? Not Kamara. I already did Kamara. Vivica or Nick? Let's do Nick. <laughs> The last, uh, before we go into overdrive, Nick Cannon. <sighs> I, it's, it, I don't want to wait. <sighs> God. I, it, um, Nick Cannon is reportedly expecting baby number seven. I don't know if he's having a fucking nervous breakdown. They told him maybe something's wrong with him. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Nick out in these streets. But he's having babies everywhere. And I'm thinking something's wrong with him, allegedly. This is according to CheatCheat.com. It says Nick Cannon is reportedly expecting baby number seven. It looks like Nick Cannon might be growing his family, already a father to six children. He's now allegedly expecting another baby. Cannon has not yet addressed the speculation, and his representatives did not return our request for comment. But the news has already prompted plenty of fan reactions online, ranging from shocks to supporters. As wrap-up notes, the rumor started when former Wild Now girl Alicia Scott revealed her pregnancy. Taken to Instagram with a photo of her belly, she wrote, she plans on naming her baby Zen S. Cannon. Noticing the last name, a fan asked in the comment section whether the Wild Now comedian is the father of her baby. Scott didn't answer the question directly, but she wrote back with a strong, with a string of happy emojis. Also, when someone else remarked that she and Cannon were going to have a beautiful baby, she replied, thanking them. The news comes after a week after it was reported Cannon is allegedly expecting twins with radio personality Abby D. La Rosa. Jesus. They don't know what's going on there. What is going on with you bitches, though? I mean, what is it for real? Like, why are y'all all having baby? He is raw dogging all you chicks. Like, like HIV ain't out in these streets. And super gonorrhea said, I don't care how much money you got. This is just, like, this change. And then he takes pictures. It's like a, a cult shit. Like, he takes pictures after, I know Mariah Carey is fucking pissed. Mariah, Mariah I know you pissed off here. I know you like, this motherfucker. I, I know you mad, Mariah, because you thought that you was distinctive. You are distinctive because you were married. Your children are, you know, in the, they aren't, you know, they was made in marriage. But since then, he's going around 
taking pictures with every chick he's gotten pregnant. He is having some sort of breakdown or something. This is not good, Nick. This is not good. Babies are a blessing, but it's not good in how the way you're bringing them into the fucking world. I mean, it's just, what is the fucking spot? What is going on with men who think having babies with multiple women is a good-ass thing? Like, several different women. Like, come on. Who wants all them baby mamas? Currently at, is it three? Three or four baby mamas? He's almost future-like. He's one, two, three. You think, I think he's at three baby mamas. One, two. No, it's four. He's currently at four baby mamas, allegedly. That's a lot. I remember hearing this one person on 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 on, <laughs> on an interview one time, and they said they asked him, "Do you have any children?" And he said, "He said uh, I had a few cold calls." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I mean, like a few, but some of them didn't work. I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, how do you have a few cold calls with a bunch of bitches? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with y'all not using condoms? What, especially you celebrities. Like, y'all got a lot of money. Do you know how much money it is for a per child to raise a fucking child in the world? I think I heard something like it's like a half a million dollars to raise one of these. It's probably up to a million now because that was years ago. To just raise it. What the fuck? Why? Why don't you just keep popping? I'm not. He, he claims to be about black empowerment. But this is clearly not black empowerment, going around having babies with a variety of black women and leaving them single mothers, you motherfucker. That is not black empowerment. And you girls, you're dumb. Why do you keep doing this? Not only do you get a bag from Nick, whatever that bag is, but listen, you have to raise these children. You have to bring them into the world. He, this this mofo is going to be running around doing entertainment shit. He's going to be running around entertaining, entertaining, entertaining. Plus, he got how many? He got six other. He got six other babies to share his affection with. Okay, so he's not going to be readily available right away. And he don't mention if he's on some streak and he's going to have about ten, three, or four more ladies. The rearing of a child will be majority on you. You can, you, I hope you can see that writing on the wall right the fuck next. And having a child is not an easy task. Raising a child, I, it's not a game. I know you bitches are probably thinking about child support and the fact that it's Nick Cannon. I don't give a fuck. You have a child you have to raise, and you have to explain their interests into the world. And you got to you you got to rear them in from all the dangers and hopefully rearing them the right in the right direction. And to do it alone is a hell of a task, and to do it with a philanderer. Has its father is even more fucked up. It's a it's a it's fucked up, girl. I gotta cuss people out today because it's a dumb ass decision. It's just dumb. For you new girls out there who's Nick trying to impregnate, don't do it. I don't care if he say I'm gonna pay y'all. I pay y'all because listen, 
bringing a child into the world is serious business. And a child deserves all of the love and the and the child, you know, it, the 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 rearing it can get. It does not deserve a philanderer running around town who's being irresponsible. Yeah, I know he's probably paying them, but I don't give a you. He is in the business of show business, and having a bunch of kids, unless he's gonna have some little form or something, and he's gonna have more time or something like that, and he's gonna have all the women staying on the form or something. He's he's setting up a bunch of problems. It's never good when your daddy's a rolling stone. I love my daddy, but my daddy Papa was so. I love my daddy. I love my daddy. I really love my daddy. But facts, I was raised by my grandparents. Came out the hospital with my granny. My grandmother and my grandfather stood in the gap for me. Okay. And it took my dad and my mom, you know, years to come to, you know, their their truth and maturity. But somebody else did their job. I love them both. I'm crazy about them. Okay? But however, my grandparents recognized it was serious fucking business. This baby is serious fucking business. We're going to take her. Because they saw my daddy was wrong. My mama was young. And neither of one of them were capable of raising a fucking child. And that, in turn, brings along other issues. Other questions my grandmother had to answer. Other things that I had to grow up understanding and evolving to. It is not an easy task when you have double abandonment shit going on, Okay. So what I will tell you, and my grandparents never made me feel like that. My grandparents were partly responsible were partly responsible for really the great, my grandparents always made sure that I understood what was up. And I was, and I'm loved, okay? And my mom did a great job, too. My mom, I see my mom here and there, out time on the weekends, stuff like that. My mom was great with that, too. You know what I'm saying? And my dad was great in years later explaining himself. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say to you all, is this serious how you bring a child into the world? The explanations you're going to have to give. Mariah Carey has, says, hey, Mariah Carey can say, listen, little uh, rock and whatever that girl's name, Monroe, or whatever their name is, you was, you was born into a great, we was married, it didn't work out. That sounds better than, I just shit, he was having babies all around the place, I, I stood in line too. <laughs> I'm just you these these articles are going to be on the internet all about him having these children and how you be going to explain and and then you still got to rear them up because I think you it's, you still got to bring these kids up and raise them. Let me pray. I'm gonna quit. Oh Lord, we're not gonna have time for this because so Nick done took me off my done took me off my shit. We're going into overdrive. For those of you who are listening to the show and you're on the phone, you're on the apps and stuff like that, 
I will see you guys next I mean, I will see you guys either next week or when I have a second show, or if I have to have a part two show, I will see you at part two show, which I'll do tonight or tomorrow sometime, okay? Uh, for the rest of you who are holding the phone lines, okay, we're going into overdrive. Remember, I told you if I drop, we'll do it at, we'll do a show for tomorrow, okay? So we're going into overdrive, and we're going to discuss uh, more about Nick Cannon, and then I'm going to Vivica Fox and some other, a couple of other stories, okay? All right, you guys, we're ending the show with, uh, what are we going to do with? <laughs> I want to be funny today. <laughs> no, it's not funny, because I actually like this song. Shit, I'm not ashamed. Tito Jackson, we made it. <laughs> it's the CC show. I'll be back on Overdrive in just a moment. So hold on the phone lines. For the rest of you, you have a good one, okay? I'm out. See y'all. <laughs> hit me up on Carly's underscore galaxy on Instagram. You can hit me up on Twitter. 
okay, at Carlotta72 and C. Chatwood Show. Those are two different Twitter accounts, okay? But the best place is the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, all right? Hey, you guys, that was Tito Jackson. We made it. Y'all like, Carlotta, are you paying Tito? Yes, I like that song. Don't hate. <laughs> That's a song by Jackie I like, too. Jackie, got, I'm going to play that. You know, I'm going to have a Jackson day one day. I'm just going to play out of Jackson dance. Like, Heart Don't Lie, like, by the toy, all that stuff. I love Heart Don't Lie. You see that? Every, out of Jackson. Oh, and you know the other day? Oh, that's why I'm going to make the songs of the day on my page, on my Facebook page. They had, the other day I saw uh, uh, the video. Uh, remember, I used to love this video, too, when I was a little girl. Oh, man, I had a crush on Marlon Jackson for about two weeks. Remember the girl, I want your body. You know, I love your body. Remember that song? Girl, I need your body. Why don't you come home with me? Remember that? Oh, my God. From the Victory Tour, Victory Album. When Marlon sang that song, oh, man, the video was on the other I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to play body. That's what we need to play body on here. God, y'all forget Marlon had a gym. You remember, Marlon also wrote Janet. Remember on Janet's second album? See, I was, I've been to Janet singing for a long time. On Janet's second album, what's the song? What's the album? Dream Street album. He wrote Don't Stand Another Chance. Marlon was Marlon's talented. They said Marlon was the best dancer, too. Man, we got to play some. Y'all got to, we got we to gotta dig into Jackson's stuff. The Jackson's, they that family, okay? I know y'all laughing at T.O. We made it, but I like that damn song. It's y'all. <laughs> All right, we were talking about Nick Cannon having seven fucking children, like future up in this bitch. I mean, really? He's just future with a turban, okay? Speaking of future, he's so heartbroken. Before I talk about Vivica, I got to talk about future. I mean, Lori Harvey must have broke that Scorpio's heart. I mean, that Scorpio. You know, we Scorpios get mad at you. We be undercutting. Like, <laughs> yeah, we be kind of stabbing you a little. But then we like, when we really like you, we tease you too. And when Scorpios like you, we tease you. We talk about you. We like, we mean. <laughs> we kind of mean when we do like people. Not like, like when we like you just as a friend, we're kind of mean. <laughs> that means we like you. <laughs> but Lori Harvey, he, you know, he's really heartbroken. Because he made an album, he made a song about Lori Harvey while she's living her life with the Michael B. Jordan. Yes, Jordan. Yes, dear. Keep living Capricorn. Cap- that Capricorn is like, bitch, I don't see you. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Complex Magazine. Future raps about Lori and Steve Harvey on 42 Doug's song. Maybe, okay, let's see. What is he talking about? I think he screamed out something about, um, I would play, I don't even want to play the song because I don't even hear that. Let's see. Um, he, he screamed out something about um, another hot girl summer may be upon us, but Future is letting it be known Um it says this. It says that the future is letting it um, let it be known his reign of toxic terror won't end anytime soon. Future and Lori Harvey were going strong last summer until they eventually broke things off in August 2020. 
Since then, Harvey's moved on today. Michael B. Jordan and seemingly cracked futures misogynistic uh, masonry. Yet in an appearance on 42 Doug's album, Free, Free Them Boys, Future seemingly sets the record straight by boasting about giving Harvey her walking papers. Right. Right. If you did, you set her free. You did her a fucking favor. <laughs> Magic City, I'm the owner of Future Raps on Maybach before taking a jab at Harvey Dia, her famous father. Tell Steve Harvey I don't want her. One thing I never seen was a was a bitch to leave. Sierra said, that's a damn lie. <laughs> he, he mad. He is mad because bitches is leaving an upgrade. That's Scorpio's piss. See, that Scorpio, see, you can't fuck with that Scorpio. See, what, let me tell you what happened to the Future. Future is a Scorpio, okay? And he uses his dark powers for darkness. When he should use them for light. But Sierra is a Scorpio, too. He met his match. Sierra, she thought she wouldn't. Probably more than likely. And got with us Pissed him off. Because she fucking transformed. Now, that Capricorn, Capricorns are some magical motherfuckers too. Remember, they're in the God class of the Zodiac 2 future. And when a Capricorn is done, they, remember the Capricorn is in the, in the tarot, the Capricorn is the devil. It shows up as the devil card. <laughs> Things like dark like you, Future. I don't believe, you know, a Future, unless you were trying, I don't believe you set revenge on her because it would have been public if you if you were that mad. I think you really took her back because you really liked her. You gave her a big party with all her friends, allegedly. You, uh, you, I mean, you were with this girl running around. I think this girl got with with her family and realized that you were a loser. And somebody said, allegedly a loser, and somebody said that he was just mad. He's just mad because she, she, she used birth control. <laughs> somebody on Twitter said that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Future, quit being mad. She's moved up too. My God. She upgraded, and she did it even better than Sierra without a baby. Cheers to Lori Harvey, whether the Michael B. Jordan lasts or not. Girl, you for real out in these streets. I like you playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Future, don't hate. Don't hate. Don't hate. He's mad. He's so mad that they went on to upgrade. <laughs> Toxic ass Scorpio, I tell you. All right, let's talk about uh, Vivica Fox because Vivica Fox has some interesting things to say about her uh, relationship, her first marriage. Remember when Vivica got married? I remember when Vivica got married back in the day. Okay, 
and it was a big thing. It was on all like all the uh, uh, little blogs, and it was uh, I mean not blogs, but it was on the TV. They had a, like a special about her wedding, all of this stuff. Turns out Vivica was like, you know, she just didn't know the guy enough. She she talked about it on Vlad TV, uh, her her marriage and uh, and what was really going on during that time and why it just didn't work out for her, okay? So let's take a listen to Vivica talk about her, her relationship, okay? Hopefully y'all can hear because I know how I'll be acting up, this, this stuff be acting out, so hopefully y'all be able to hear it well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you Anyone who's having a Cinderella, I'm married. Yeah. Christopher Six Nine Harvest. I did. And I guess you said you got married because everyone else is doing it. I did. I mean, I hate to say that. I mean, yeah, everyone was having their Cinderella day, and I just wanted one to be to be very honest with you. Um, why the marriage didn't last a, a long time is because I didn't take the time to get to know him. That I just really wanted. I felt peer pressure, and I had my Cinderella day. My sister, my brother, my niece. I got married on the beautiful staircase. Paparazzi. Somebody from Paparazzi fell out of a out of a tree trying to get you know <laughs> trying to get uh, uh, pictures for it. I mean, it was beautiful. It was an InStyle magazine. I had my Cinderella day, but I should have honestly taken the time to get to know him a little bit better. Um, I now to this day, you know with relationships, make sure that I take a little bit more time before I go so publicly with a relationship. It was a huge lesson for me. I, mean, I was only married for two and a half, two and a half at most, I think it was three years. And, you know, I, I, I have no ill will against him. I just didn't know him. And so that's why the relationship didn't last. Well, what was the final straw? Because you guys got divorced in 2002. Yes. Uh, the final straw for me was, you know, at the time he was um, um, a singer, and uh, his group that he was in, they were supposed to have been signed with Death Row Records, yet another connection with Tupac and Death Row. Um, and when Tupac got killed and all of the, everything kind of fell apart with Death Row, he, Death Row Records, um, he didn't go out and then try to pursue things with the same drive that I had for my career. And, you know, a woman doesn't like paying all the bills all the time. Oh. And I can only ask for help so many times before I had to come to the conclusion that um, I didn't want to be the breadwinner in this family. My mother didn't raise me to take care of a man. Wow. Women with rich girl problems, okay, or women with successful women problems, okay? Uh, and I think Vivica's probably had that energy because Vivica is very much, uh, uh, you can kind of see it in her, kind of, you know, a very, I don't know if I should say alpha female. I would say that, you know, uh, and, and, and her marrying this guy at the height. Vivica was at the height of her career. I remember they had a special about her wedding. I remember seeing it was beautiful and everything. But I, I I didn't understand why she had married that guy. She looked like a mistress. She was at the height of her career too. It just didn't seem like it didn't seem right at that moment. It just seemed like, ooh. And like she said, she was trying to have her Cinderella moment. 
all, all the girls, all of us try to have, we have to understand that weddings are much more than a Cinderella moment. Fuck. You do that. Wedding, I mean, marriages are so much more. I mean, it's so, you know. And I like the what she what she said. I mean, you know, you got you understood. She said, "Hey, he didn't. He wasn't making no money." And I tell you, girls, how important it is to make the money. That, that a man needs to be able to be able to bring in some cash. For she said, "I wasn't made to be no the head of the household." But he thought of her as that. Because she was probably far more successful when she married him than he was. Uh, than he was. I remember when she married him. I said, I ain't never heard of him in those no R&B group. And a lot of times, women get in these situations where they marry these men, and they're more. You see this all the time with big female celebrities. I mean, they always marry underneath them. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for a successful girl. It's hard out here in these streets. Hard for them. It's hard for them. You'll see that in the Aretha Franklin story, too, I bet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn, Vivica. I, knew, I mean, you know, just basically, you know, listen, this is why I say, young ladies, this is why it's important to have financial, or some, a, a talk, have the discussion about money and things like that. It's different for men. Men are built to be providers and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So men... When men taking care of women, that's it's not sometimes looked on as bad as it is a woman taking care of a man. You know what I'm saying? So you got to see what type of woman you are, you know, and know what kind of drive somebody got and things like that, okay? It's just very important. I found Vivica having this discussion with him about her, why her marriage, her one and only marriage, too, failed, right? And then you then you go on to see Vivica, though. You kind of, I wonder if Vivica kind of has this problem because, you see her dating 50 Cent, who I thought at that time, in my personal opinion, was much more childish than her. She should, I felt like, what is Vivica Fox doing with 50 Cent? No offense to him, you know, he's gr- but I just felt like she was a grown-ass woman. You know, what are you doing? It was like a Whitney Bobby thing to me for a little bit. And I think that's, it's not in the, you know, because Whitney seems very much more mature. But then, you know, what we find out is some people have certain things inside of them. And I think that Vivica, it was hard to come up to what she was. You know what I'm saying? Her imaging. It was hard for her to match her imaging. I think Vivica probably would have got that dude. But she was messing with so many men. At that time, 50 to me was lesser than what Vivica was. And I think that's why he ended up, you know, messing with her and then kind of they end up having a sour breakup in public. It was He was very disrespectful of her and things like that. Because I really feel like because in somebody like 50 Cent's mind, he's in awe of Vivica Fox, right? Because Vivica Fox at that time, her imaging was so huge and so big and Vivica's so beautiful. And I think that giving him a young, immature dude like him access to who she was and on an intimate level was a mistake for her. You know what I'm saying? When she, when she needed to be dealing with much more mature, smart men and everything, but I think sometimes Vivica saw that, you know, Vivica's like a, a girly girl, she saw the body, the look, she's younger and all that, she got, you know. But when at that time in her life, 
she should have been looking at someone much more mature, much more, uh, you know, more on her level. Well, that's what we were mistaken. It looked like she had a level, but she, I don't know if she really did, you know, at that time. You know, just because it was just such a total disrespectful breakup. And I was like, he changed the imaging of what she was. And I remember she did something one night. I saw her on a award show. And I know this is, I know she's just a homegirl. I get it. You know, but I remember that changing. People was like, ah, what was Vivica Fox doing that for? She was, she was, it was a rap show or something. And all these dudes was dancing or something. She was in the middle of them. And she was kind of like bent over, kind of doing a booty. And I was like, ah, not Vivica. Like, it just, I think that that put her on the level to go towards a 50 cent because, we didn't see Vivica have that type of chick. Vivica had a bigger-than-life presence, very classy, very, I mean, you know, it doesn't mean she couldn't have her fun and stuff like that, but it just began to show some cracks in the armor. You know what I'm saying? Like, suddenly she was dating dudes like 50 Cent and 6 9 I mean, she was married to 6 9 and then she started dating somebody like 50 Cent. I mean, it was sort of like, and I think it hurt Vivica's energy. It didn't hurt those. It helped upgrade 50 Cent, but it it hurt Vivica because Vivica had to suddenly argue in public with an immature motherfucker. Like, you know, it didn't matter that he got a lot of money and stuff like that. He's immature, and he's dissing her her imaging. He's kind of talking to her, talking about her like she's some bitch on the street. Like, he's not talking to her like the Vivica Fox that she, and it's just a very disrespectful thing. I didn't like that relationship with Vivica. And I think Vivica had like, problems, and I think those are the type of men Vivica tends to go for, but Vivica needs to go higher up. That's what sometimes people's imaging, like Whitney, we was all looking at Whitney like, what the fuck are you being your Bobby Brown for again? But we didn't understand that Whitney's imaging wasn't who she was. I mean, Whitney was classy and beautiful and everything like that in public. But behind the scenes, Whitney was that girl from Jersey. She wasn't growing out of things that she needed to grow out of in order to protect all that stuff going on around her. And, 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 it puts you on a trajectory. If you don't, if you refuse, listen, ladies, I'm going to just say this, okay? I'm going to try to say this in the best way I can. And I'm speaking for myself, too. If you refuse to grow, as you begin to move higher and higher into different circles and different things in your life, as God begins to bless you, and you begin and begin to maneuver you into high positions and high places. And you have to begin to adjust. Adjust just not. You don't have to sell out, but you may have. You have to begin to. You can still be you, but you have to be able to begin to adjust to the atmosphere. I heard the story once in Spanish class. I was in Spanish class. It was a couple, like a year or so ago. One of my Spanish classes, and. They were talking about this city in in in, in um in Spain or something where they had the the you where you it's a city way at the top of the mountain. I started with a P. I forget what it is, but people have to have like special like oxygen and stuff when they go into the city because the people aren't used to living there. 
But the people who live in the city don't have to have oxygen. They walk around like normal and everything like that. But the people, if you're going up to mountains to visit that city, because it's so high up, you literally have to put on your mask until you're like an oxygen mask until you get used to the the atmosphere of the city and stuff. So understand your your when you get into a certain atmosphere, sometimes the altitude may be in in a let's say I'm talking about a city a physical altitude, but sometimes a spiritual altitude when you first get there, you may have to wear an oxygen mask. You may have to have a support system because you don't know how to operate in that 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 place. But as you begin to stay there, you learn to adjust. Okay? Ladies, when you get and fellas too, when you get in on certain levels, learn to adjust to the atmosphere. That doesn't mean you have to Yes, there has to be some little slight changes, but still learn to be yourself in that atmosphere. And I think that's what happened to Vivica Fox. I think Vivica was, had lost, how can I say, she, Vivica was still trying to be a homegirl in a different atmosphere. She didn't realize that we saw something different. And that she needed to grow into the atmosphere a little bit to protect her brand. And letting somebody in at like 50 Cent was at that time. And at that time, he was a complete troll. I mean, you know, he's grown a little bit more mature, mature, but not much. But he was a a complete ass when he broke up with her and said lots of crazy things. But I think that's because, like she said, she wasn't getting to know a person. But I also believe she 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 wasn't grown enough into herself and that success that she was in and where it took her. And it, it, it really, that began to tear the brand of Vivica Fox up a little bit. That marriage, but we didn't hear much from him, but it was 50 really, because it was sort of like, ugh. And for a second it helped her, but then it was just like, because, you know, you, you could see it was a mismatch. But, you know, it is what it is. But I'm hoping Vivica, because you know now she's mature and stuff like that. She she ends up uh, picking somebody. She gets somebody with somebody really nice, or she she is with somebody really nice at this time. Okay, so let's talk about um, we talk LeBron James. I forgot to talk about LeBron. Let's see. I'm gonna talk about the NWA is starting to be WWFish to me. I mean, because I noticed, I've been noticing, like every suddenly everybody came over to left the west uh like kevin durant's over in the east it's like an easy pathway for the east after lebron left the east then suddenly here's kevin durant and 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 kyrie Irving and all them there in one super group james harden suddenly right and then lebron's over in the west and the West is completely, like, broke the fuck down in some senses. It's kind of weird. It's just kind of – I just feel like the NBA looks a little WWF right now for me. Uh, and when LeBron James uh, – been, everybody's been talking about how he was at a tequila party the other night with Drake before the game, before the Warrior game. Uh and there's he broke COVID court, uh, protocols. This is according to uh, 
uh, USA Today Sports. It says, Los Angeles Lakers forward LeBron James broke the NBA health and safety protocols earlier this week, but won't face a suspension. A day before the Lakers, and they're supposed to be suspended, okay, allegedly. But it says, a day before the Lakers took on the Golden State Warriors in a play-in tournament, James attended a promotional event for a tequila brand he has ties with. The event took place outdoors in a brief photo shoot, and among the notable attendees were Michael B. Jordan and recording artist Drake, both of who were also in attendance in Wednesday's game. Prior to the start of the event, any invitee needed to provide proof of vaccination against the coronavirus or negative test results in order to attend, okay? Since James attended the event, the league said he had violated the protocols compared to other instances around uh, the league. Anyone who breaks protocols are subject to warnings, fines, or suspensions, and continuous violations could result in a harsher discipline. Okay, but it says he won't be suspended for protocols violations, sources tell each ESPN. Nature of the event didn't rise to a threat of level of survivor spread, as described in McTen's story below. Now, if y'all believe that the NBA was going to let LeBron's ass sit down, especially after they moneymaker uh, Steph Curry and ratings phenomenal, Steph Curry, because Steph Curry is the rating for the NBA right now. Not anymore because he got kicked out. He lost the last the other night, the game. To, he, he, they lost the Memphis. Okay. If you think they was going to let LeBron sit his ass down, well, you got nothing coming. He is the Ravens. Y'all ain't going to be watching. If LeBron's ass was sitting out, they suspended LeBron's ass. See, this is the great WWF. They know. They know. LeBron's ass was not going to be going sitting down. No, he knew. That's why he went to the party. That's why he wasn't worried about protocol. Because LeBron knew his damn self. LeBron said, ain't going to do shit to me. That's why Kwame Brown is something. Listen, have y'all been listening to Kwame Brown? That Kwame Brown wasn't Kwame. I remember when he came in. Like, they thought he was going to be like the next Jordan. I remember Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown? Oh, that 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 boy is becoming. He been seeing some. He been seeing some kind of stuff on the low. Like he been. I know the NBA is nervous because he been talking shit. He been coming out. He he been coming out hitting everybody. He ain't taking no prisoners. I say like, Kwame needs to do a podcast. Kwame hot right now. <laughs> Kwame Brown. People have been talking about him for years. I remember because he had a very, uh, you know, what seems like a not that great of, you know, an NBA career, NBA career compared to the hype that was around him, surrounding him. At least that's what we thought. But when you hear him explain it, then you see how much politics and things are involved in the NBA, which I knew that. Interesting article in uh, TheGuardian.com. It says, after 20 years of insults, Kwame Brown proved revenge is best served flaming hot. When the former number one overall uh, pick in the NBA draft has been ridiculed for years, has a bust. This week in hours of YouTube rants, he sets the record straight. I even kind of thought that about Kwame Brown because you, I remember him being hyped up. I didn't know what happened to him kind of after, like the, uh, like the first couple of, I think the first team or two he went to, and then I kind of it fell off of him. It wasn't probably that he wasn't doing well. It's just the hype. It's a, 
surrounding him probably fell out. But it said before the NFL's Demarcus Russell, there was NBA's Kwame Brown. Like the former Raiders quarterback, Brown was a top draft pick whose bevy of physical gifts marked him as the kind of transformational player who only comes along once in a generation. But unlike Russell, who was a star in college with LSU first, Brown that had that burden placed upon him while he was still a teenager. Yeah, he was he comes fresh out of high school. Brown made history as the first NBA player to go number one straight out of high school when Michael Jordan's Washington Wizards came calling in 2001. And if he didn't go down his Hall of Fame uh, bound great in the mold of other straight from high school from school players like Kobe Bryant or Kevin Garnett, well, Brown figured to be at least brilliant has Jermaine O'Neal or Philip McDonald, all-American Tyson Chandler. When Brown turned, turned out to be neither of those things, he became easy fodder for all-time draft busts, okay? Clickbait, inspiration for this, or your Stephen A. Smith rant, an argument for bringing back the NBA age limit and punchline for a 1,000 basketball podcast. Even player-hosted ho- safe spaces like Showtime's All the Smoke. In a recent episode, reformed NBA tough guy Matt Bournes and Steve, Stephen Jackson sat down with Gilbert Arenas. The kind of Steph Curry... Uh, uh, turn podcast host, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, Arena circled back to his four year, four seasons with Brown, and as much as he tried to tout Brown has a potential best ever number one who had the misfortune of starting his career on the same team Jordan chose to end his, Arena couldn't resist calling Brown a man's out and show Pony while rubbing how he sees uh, pharmacy, uh, prim, prim, primacy on the Wizards in a final blow to Brown's confidence. All the while, Barnes and Jackson snickered along, but Brown in a welcome twist wasn't having it. Puffing uh, on a hookah from his home with uh, action figures in his likeness and a key to some city in the background, Brown took to YouTube and unloaded on the trio for more than an hour. Throughout 30 Nine-year-old's effective, uh, 39-year-old effectively labeled Jackson a fake gangster turned fake social justice warrior. Barnes a ja- tragic mulatto and Arena's uh, Uncle Tom who perpetrated the bus uh, narrative by being a lousy teammate on the Wizards. Brown further recommended the uh, podcast try discussing bigger problems instead of rehashing his career. So, uh, Borns and, so, of course, Borns and Jackson's double down. On ESPN, the jump, Borns seems surprised. I got where he's coming from. Uh, he said he's kind of been the butt of jokes coming into the league and not being able to live to that number one pretension. If you want to be mad at anyone, be mad at MJ for picking you number one. On Instagram, Jackson was unrepentant. Your whole career was joy. Your whole life is dirt. And it ain't my job to pour more dirt on you, he said, wishing him nothing but success. Nevertheless, at the time of writing Brown's response to their responses, had he lived more than four hours and effectively seemed to say, if you can't take the heat, don't name your podcast out of smoke. It's enough to make you wonder where this guy has been all along, okay? He was coming at everybody, okay? This guy was like, I mean, I was listening to some of the rants. He was coming hard, He was, and he was right on some of the stuff he was <laughs> He came for Jameel Hill, Stephen A. Smith. I mean, he was coming for everybody. Uh, there is no lesson here. I know people are trying to say there's a lesson here that don't speak on people's name and everything like that. Listen, they are a sports, big, sports uh, 
uh, things. They talk about sports figures, okay? Uh, and this sport figure that they happen to talk about handed them their ass when they talked about it back. That's part of the game. That's part of when you talk about sports stuff. They, hey, or when you talk about celebrity news or celebrity gossip, you may have a celebrity to say something about you. Like, bitch, Carlotta, you ain't shit, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you know, hey, that is, when we get it all the time. So, listen, my thing is, is that uh, Kwame Brown, this is good for him. Actually, I think they did him a favor. And it gives him a platform now to, he can do a show. He is is an intriguing personality. I mean, he can do a show right now, a podcast or a YouTube channel, and do his own sports show. And the funny thing about it is this dude knows a lot about the NBA politics of things. And he could give us a fresh new perspective that those guys are afraid to give a perspective on, okay, because those guys are set solid into, um, how can I say it, the, the system of the NBA. But he's not. So he can, the way he was talking, he is not. So I see them as the the best thing that ever happened to him, actually, besides the NBA draft, those guys saying what they said to him triggered him to come out and say and defend himself. And listen, to me, that's a fresh new platform for you guys to have a sports show and everything. I think so many people would be interested in hearing his take, especially on the draft and stuff like that, because he has a very unusual uh, story and perspective. Kwame, you need a show. You got the personality. You got the personality, and you are not in. You are not a part of the system, or at least you you don't want to be. And I think he would be great to do a show. I mean, he's funny. He was saying stuff. He was saying he's really bold. He's crazy. He's saying all kinds of. I said, damn, they need to give Kwame Brown a show. Okay, he needs a show. <laughs> Okay, so I would love to see that, a sports show with him. I would even tune in, okay? I mean, he was giving everybody the business. He wasn't playing. <laughs> and there is no life lesson in this, because people are going to keep doing their talks and stuff like that. They're just, it is what it is, okay? But uh, let me go into this other uh, news here. Prince Harry and uh, Prince William and Harry talked about the BBC report this week. Harry responds to Princess Diana Pant. Uh, panorama inquiry, okay? And this is, uh, let's see if I can pull this up. Which I found very interesting. What do we got? How much time we got? We're going to have to do a part two. We're going to have to do a part two. I think so. Okay. Part two will be coming up, okay, guys? We'll have to do a part two later on, okay? But it says, uh, Prince William and Harry respond to Princess Diana panorama Martin Brashear inquiry findings. Now, Martin Brashear has been accused of a lot of bad stuff. You know, Martin Brashear did the Michael Jackson interview, which was terrible. He did a lot of, Michael ended up taping the interview. And remember, Michael re-released the interview because they did a lot of bad editing and stuff from when Martin Brashear did that horrible interview with Michael. And that, I can understand uh, people going off about Martin Brashear. Not this Princess Diana thing. I'm going to tell you all why. 
says brother, and this is according to Ellie Magazine, L Magazine. It says Prince, Prince brothers, Princess, Prince Williams, and Prince Harry have reacted with anger, grief, and sadness following the release of the findings of the inquiry in 1997, 1995 BBC Panorama televised interview with their mother, the late Princess Diana. In 1995, journalist Martin Bashir interviewed the Princess of Wales from inside Kensington Palace in a bombshell interview, which was watched by more than 20 million people on the BBC. In the interview, Diana spoke about her personal mental health struggles, uttered the infamous, there were three of us in this marriage line, concerning her estranged husband, Prince Charles' relationship with Camilla Parker Bowles. Now the Duchess of Cornwall... admitted to having affairs of her own and considered whether there was an active effort to undermine and conspire against her from inside the palace. Now a report published by retired Judge Lord Dyson has found that serious editorial and ethical guidelines were breached by Brashear in obtaining the interview. Sidebar. In the 80s, especially in the 80s and the 90s, okay, and the 70s, this is what investigative reporters did. They they would do any fucking thing to get a story. That's what aggressive reporters. I know they don't know how to do that now because they all ran by corporations and stuff. But investigative reporters would dig, do all kinds of stuff to get the story. So that's not surprising. I guess the story is not a surprising thing, even if he had to do some unscrupulous things. People, they reporters do that kind of shit all the time. The judge found that the journalists used forged bank statements purporting to show payments by a newspaper group to a former member of the staff of Princess Diana's brother, Earl Spencer, and showed them to Earl to gain his trust and persuade Diana to speak to Bashir for the interview. Bashir later showed the other fake statements purporting to show transactions into the accounts of Diana and Prince Charles' private secretaries to suggest wrongdoing. The report concludes that Bashir deceived and induced the Earl Spencer into gaining an interview with Diana, also seriously breached BBC's guidelines in doing so. In 1996, the BBC investigated claims about Bashir's tactics when they first surfaced and, lore- and cleared him of any wrongdoing. The BBC, BBC has therefore also come under fire in Lord Dyson's report for being woefully ineffective and in its own investigation and subsequently falling short of the high standards of integrity and transparency, which are all its hallmarks and has been accused of covering up Bashir's methods of obtaining uh, interviews, okay? Okay, this says the Duke of Cambridge statement, uh, this they released it, he says, uh, it's my view that the deceitful way the interview was obtained substantially influenced what my mother said. No, it didn't. The interview was a major contributing to making my parents' relationship worse and has since hurt countless others. No, your mom and daddy's relationship was fucked up when he started. When he got married to it. He he was in love with another woman. That shit was fucked up. He's cute. You want to blame everything else? Let's hear little Prince, little Will, little Prince William. You know, I want to play a little bit. I'm gonna let y'all hear him personally on this. Okay, we already hear a little here. He's talking about. Let's hear William. Which are extremely concerning that BBC employee lied and used fake documents to obtain the interview with my mother. Made lurid false claims about the royal family, which played on her fears and sealed paranoia. Played woeful incompetence when investigating complaints and concerns about the programme, and were evasive in their reporting to the media, 
and covered up what they knew from their internal investigations. It is my view that the deceitful way the interview was obtained substantially influenced what my mother said. The interview was a major contribution to making my parents' relationship worse and has since hurt countless others. It brings indescribable sadness to know that the BBC's failures contributed significantly to her fear, paranoia and isolation that I remember from those final years with her. But what saddens me most is that if the BBC had properly investigated the complaints and concerns first raised in 1995, my mother would have known that she had been deceived. She was failed not just by a rogue reporter, but by leaders of the BBC who looked the other way rather than asking the tough questions. It is my firm view that this panorama program holds no legitimacy and should never be out again. She knew what she's been planning that. That ain't got shit to do with what BBC did. I don't or March she what she thinks. I don't think your mama lost her life because she was running from the paparazzi. She was running for somebody, but it wasn't the fucking paparazzi. Uh, that's just Carlotta one on one. Okay. Opinion. Now even Martin Bashir said he ain't got shit to do with what she said. Now he may have got that interview through some unscrupulous means. Which a lot of reporters was Oprah watch us first of all, hold on, let me say this real quick. Oprah watch those shit, because you see how they setting this up, right, Oprah? Quit interviewing them up quit interviewing Megan, quit interviewing Harry, because what they gonna do is in about twenty years say, uh, well, see, Oprah obtained the interview through unscrupulous me and it very much influenced what Megan had to say. It's gonna be your fucking fault for what Megan said. Okay? See how they do the Oprah, yes, they will Martin Bashir you too. Okay, okay, okay. And they setting up Meghan Markle to sound like she's like that. Oh, there was no problems. Diana didn't have any problems. They were making her paranoid. Diana had been having fucking problems since she got in the house. Okay, they were making her paranoid against my family. My family, the royal family, wasn't out to get her. Oh, they was in a fucking war. They was in a war for the throne. Okay, Diana was warring with her defense. She was she was trying to come for the throne. Yes, she was. Your mom was trying to come for the throne. She was winning the throne of the people, the hearts of the people. Okay? Your little ass and you can't institutionalize by them royals. You just you got it. Some of your mamas, both of y'all threw your mama up under the bus. Your mama knew what the hell she was talking about in that interview. You ain't got shit to do with what the BBC said or the BBC didn't say. She was very much in control of herself. I don't care what the fuck. Diana was uh, princess of she was, was she, Diana was royalty. She could find out anything she wanted to find out. She knew what the hell was going on in that and what she felt. 
They wouldn't able be able to manipulate her if it wasn't shit fair. And that's all I heard the key word was this this should never be able to be aired again. Fuck that it's a part of history. Yes, no, William. You can't stop it. Air it all the time, BBC. Matter of fact, air it two to three more times. <laughs> you can't keep history out trying to wipe history clean. And Megan is trying to make you look crazy like you just being. They, and Harry agreeing with it is just ridiculous. They did not manipulate y'all mama. Your mama knew exactly what the fuck she was talking about. She was very clear-headed. You should see that interview. Very clear-headed. I remember that interview. They showed it once before, again a while back. Very clear as fuck. Diana knew what the fuck she was talking about. Martin Bashir didn't have shit to do with that. He wasn't manipulating the the, the, the thing like Michael Jackson. He wasn't editing it. No, she sat in there and told shit. She was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more than it was three of us in the marriage. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been out here doing the do too. I've been out here this and here, and I'm worried about this shit. 1985, 1995. When Diana died, let's get this straight so we can cut the bullshit out. Harry them trying to sell it. Let's put it right where is it? I never get invited to the palace. I guess not. When did Diana die? It was 1986. It was Charlie. It was Charlie after this fucking interview, nineteen ninety seven. What year was it? Nineteen ninety seven. Not too far after that interview. Y'all better stop the bullshit trying to make it sound like the paparazzi and all that stuff. You cut the cut the bullshit out. William Prince William, nobody believes that bullshit. And yes, they need to keep airing that interview. You can air, they, they they can't block that interview because they're talking about it shouldn't be aired again. Uh, yeah, it can be aired. It's part of history. Your mama did what she did and said the fuck what she said. Okay, I said that. I'm cuss. Guess I'm cussing that Prince Harry and Prince Harry. Like Harry was on the other. I, I see. I knew he was talking about my mama, mom died. I started drinking and stuff. See, he trying to cover up the fact that he was running around in that fucking Nazi uh, uh, outfit with the next to taking a picture with the Klan. Somebody dressed as a Klan at that party saying, I was in with my drinking years because I was real hurt up there about my mama. Uh-uh. But then was your little prejudice. And maybe your mama, the pain from your mama, death started it, but your little ass was racist. Maybe still, I don't know. Just because you married Megan Markle don't mean that you ain't racist. No excuse. Diana did what she did. That was clear as fuck. Martin Bashir, I do not blame Martin Bashir for that whatsoever. We're not going to sit up here and just try to make it seem like Diana was just up there, like Martin Bashir was just, oh, they made her feel this way. No, they didn't. They just tried to get an interview from Earl Spencer. She didn't know how the interview came. She was looking for a platform to talk her shit anyway. They contributed to my mother and dad's uh, relationship problems. No, your dad fucking around contributed to that and her fucking around. Not just your daddy, but her fucking around too. Shit, they didn't even want, they didn't even make each other. I'll play some of it for y'all. After the wedding, before you, were, you became pregnant, what was your reaction when you learned that the child was a boy? No, actually. I felt the whole country was in labour with me, <laughs> and enormous relief. But I had actually known William was going to be a boy because of the scan of shame. It's 
Have you always wanted to have a family? Yes, I came from a family where there were four of us. So we had an enormous fun there. And then William and Harry arrived. Fortunately, two boys. So we never tricky it being two girls. To define yourself because your self-esteem is lower and you don't think you're worthy or valuable. They send your stomach up four or five times a day, some, some do it more, and it gives you a feeling of comfort. It's like having a pair of arms around you, but it's temporary. Temporary. Then you, you're disgusted at the bloatedness of your stomach, and then you know, bring it all up again. And it's, a, it's an impossible Now I'm trying to find a part of us. That's her talking about her bulimia. The biography of the Prince Hey, listen to this. Here we go. Which, as you know, was published last year. That you and your husband had very different outlooks, very different interests. Would you agree with that? No. I think we have a great deal of interest. We both like people, both like country life, both love children, um, work in the cancer field, work in hospices. But I always portrayed in the media at that time, if I remember rightly, as someone, because I hadn't passed any O-levels and taken any A-levels, I was stupid. And I made the grave mistake once of saying to Charles, I was sick as a plank, in order to ease the child's nervousness, which it did. But it, that headline went all around the world. And I rather regret saying it. <laughs> the Prince of Wales, in, in the biography, is described as a great thinker, a man with a tremendous range of interests. What did he think of your interests? Well, I don't think I was allowed to have any. I think that I've always been the 18-year-old girl he got engaged to, so uh, I don't think I've been given any credit for growth. And my goodness, I've had to grow. <laughs> Around 1986. And if that sounds like somebody who was being manipulated, you, no, the hell it don't. That's the lies. First of all, Charles was a fucking Scorpio, so I know, okay? I'm a Scorpio, too. Okay, Charles is a Scorpio male, might have been a little possessive, especially her being 18, probably a little controlling. Mm-hmm, 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 Because sometimes we as Scorpios got to be checked on our fucking control pattern, okay? So uh, I, she, she, she read the room. She, your mama read the room, kids. Now, William, I know you want to be the next king. You trying to save your seat as a king, okay? You trying to say y'all trying to save that fucking throne again, again. Y'all throne getting fucked up by Harry and Meghan, okay? Listen, I I get it, but throwing your mama under the bus is unnecessary. Your mama said what she said, and she meant what she meant, okay? Don't blame Martin Bashir and don't throw her under the bus like she was some manipulated little girl. That's what she was saying Charles was doing to her. Charles was manipulating. I don't think I was allowed to have any opinions. I don't think I was allowed to, 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 to think on my own. That's what the fuck y'all doing now. Y'all trying to say that she wasn't thinking on her own. Your mama was very much the fuck thinking on her own. She knew what the fuck she was doing. She, by that time, your mama was a grown-ass woman. Two years outside her death. That interview probably fucked some people up. Some powers that be. Your mama wasn't getting chased by the paparazzi. No, 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 no. Now, that's if y'all want to keep going with that belief, you can. But my, and Carlotta's one-on-one theory, and a lot of other people's too, your mama was not getting chased by the paparazzi. 
she was running for her fucking life. So I digress. And not for a picture from pictures. She was used to being chased by the paparazzi. The fuck? She was used to it by then. She was good years into it by then. Diana was in her 30s by then. Fuck they talking about? She ain't never ran into no brick wall before. And they chased her. Listen, I'm, I mean, let me shut up. Let me, let me stop all this. This ain't my, this is, this, I'm going to leave that dirty fire ass fox. How's that? I ain't, I'm done for the day. You guys, it's been fun. <laughs> We're going to have a part two show. Hey, I'm done. I, let me shut up. I don't want them to, the Brits to be coming up out of here, up here after me, some of the secret Brits service and shit. Listen, okay, so listen, here we go. We're gonna, this is a great show, you guys. We're going to go into part two. Either I'll do one at midnight tonight or I'll do one later on during the uh, – where is that? I'll do one uh, later on tomorrow, okay, because i got a whole bunch of more stuff to talk to you about. I'm going to continue talking about Prince Williams and lame excuse. Talking about their mama. This is bad. I don't like doing your mama like that. Your mama knew what she was talking about. We got to talk about this. We got so much other stuff to talk about. We got to talk about Kim Kardashian. I wanted to have a, a conversation with her children about Chris Humphrey's child. Talking about this uncomfortable. Girl, you got a lot of uncomfortable stuff. What about Ray J? Okay. And then we got uh, ASAP Rocky talking about he, Rihanna is the love of his life. Okay. And then we got to talk about mixes, them canceling mixes, and now they want to do a show called Brownies. Uh, we got to talk about airlines might be checking your weight. There's a lot of uh, checking your weight. A lot of other political stuff I wanted to get to on the landscape. landscape. And I didn't get to talk about Kamala Harris and the reporter thing. So we're going to do a short show kind of um, sometime this week, and we'll get to all of that, okay, you guys? I mean, I'll probably do a short show tomorrow night or to later on tonight, okay? So maybe at midnight or if not midnight tonight, I'll do one tomorrow, okay? So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, wonderful rest of your day. Uh, I don't know, it's kind of cloudy here, but you guys enjoy your day, okay? Uh, uh, And I will see you guys either the show tomorrow or the show tonight, and we'll do part two, okay? Oh, and happy birthday to my face, face. Maxwell, happy birthday. It's Maxwell's 48th birthday. Yay. Okay, so y'all know I got to say that. Janet, Janet and his birthday, Janet Jackson's birthday was last week. And Maxwell, isn't that weird? My faves are a week apart. Look at that. A week apart is their birthday. Cute. All right. All right, you guys. So I'm going to end up, we're going to leave out with uh, Nick Condition, Someone to Love. It's the CC Show. Y'all have a good one, and I will see y'all tonight or tomorrow night, okay? I'm out. See (laughs) y'all. Yeah.